All right, guys. Here's another Cleveland Moto podcast, and uh, today I got a come and go. Oh, nice. There you have it. Yeah. There you go. Come and go. What does Crompy got? I see a stag. Oh, Loch Lombard, Loch Lomond, huh? Lombard. Wow, fancy. Oh, wow, another Great Lakes Brewing Company participant. Dort Munder. Yeah. Hey, very nice. <laughs> Bill's going to be fighting himself by the end of the podcast. That's right. <laughs> Merit. <laughs> Merit's home, so she'll probably take me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just like how Phil always has the inappropriate seasonal beer. Yes. It's like in the winter, he has Natty Light lemonade. And then <laughs> the first day of summer, he's drinking Christmas ale. That's yeah, awesome. perfect. Yeah. I was so close to buying a six-pack of Natterday's Pounders for five ninety nine. It was like, how can I not do this? But yeah. I, eh, I, wanted, I, needed, eh, I, I went out last night and did that because I had like a couple more things I had to get done. It was like 10 p.m. I knew it was going to be up for another few hours. And I'm just like, I want some Natterday's. So I went to the, uh, I hopped in the truck and went to the convenience store and bought like two six packs and a, um, a bag of pretzels. And I was like, this is the most American thing I've ever done. That is, that is I've very never, American. I've owned the truck for almost a year and I've, I haven't done a beer run in the truck yet until, uh, no, no, let me, let me show you the most American thing that you can possibly do. Here it comes. And there you oh, go. Oh, yeah. The slushy. Oh. <laughs> God so, damn. It's all kinds of red, white, and blue, my friends. Have you had that conversation yeah. about sugar yet? What happens to your body when you're like 30? The second you turn 30 and you drink that much sugar, it goes from being like really delicious to being a huge bully. Oh, no, it's not. That stuff is made at the brewery from my hometown, the City Brewery in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Mm. And they have like tank cars of corn syrup pull up to the brewery oh, yeah. and they fill their tanks out of the, the train cars. Yeah, no, no, it's not. This is not a drink that you want to have a lot of. But if you were thinking about getting a purple squishy at the 7-Eleven and you just want some booze in it, just get that. That's, that's what it is. Is it graduated like red, white, and blue? No, I wish. I wish. It's just, it's just Windex blue, which makes it really fun to drink. Mm. I'm thinking that a popsicle of them could be kind of cool. We mm. used to make Windex in uh, college. We'd take a garbage can, put a garbage bag in it, and then fill it full of... They used to make that syrup. It was like the freezy syrup that you could buy on the bottom shelf, the raspberry blue shit. Yeah. And throw a couple gallons of that and a couple handles of grain alcohol and some fruit. We called it Windex. Here, have some Windex. But wait, would, would, uh, would something like that with a 4.6 bubble alcohol freeze or no? Uh, well, uh, we didn't freeze it. It was just in a big garbage can with some ice. Can I make a popsicle out of that thing? That's my question. Well, that was, uh, well, now you're talking about Stefan Waz at the One Lake Erie Loop yeah. brought the snow cone machine with some moonshine. Moonshine oh, snow cones. There you go. That's a good idea. Damn. A tremendous no, it's not. <laughs> really, it's actually a really anything bad. but moonshine. <laughs> what was it that you were making at a vintage days last year, Phil? I remember it was really good. A lot of things. Yeah, yeah we we made we made all kinds of booze. But yeah, we did. Uh, we ran some blender drinks and some freezy drinks uh, last year at because we had the camper. We had the big ass campers. So we made all kinds of uh, delicious. Uh, frozen frozen icy beverages there was something that you made where like I, it, I was like a cat like i had a ton of it and then i threw up immediately and then i had a ton more of it and i was fine i just i felt really i i was 
really embarrassed at first. And I was glad that I got my mid Ohio throw up out of the way, like within an hour of the, uh, the stabilizers on the camper touching the ground. (laughs) And then I didn't throw up the rest of the weekend. Yeah. You're okay. Everybody's got one. Are we having a podcast right now or what? Yeah, we're having a podcast. Okay. We're live. I just wasn't sure. Yeah. We're rolling. It's a, I, I feel like I'm looking up somebody from Beetlejuice's, Beetlejuice's skirt when I'm looking at Nick's, Nick's camera feed. Yeah. I'm slightly aroused. Yeah. It's a, it is such, I mean, that is absolutely, that is a, uh, that's, that's a Wednesday upskirt. Yeah. There's no toes. There's no toes. That's fine. There's just no toes. That Wicked Witch of the West, she's down. The, uh, so a couple of things I, I did want to talk about. So, Harley Davidson has announced that in the spirit of uh, blatant last ditch efforts, they are doing a special COVID edition live wire. What? Yeah. Um, I'm, my shits thou not. So Harley Davidson is doing a, uh, a limited production of one. And uh, what they had, what they had done is they had uh, 500 original first, they, you know, whatever they were called, but they were the first draft of the live wires, the first 500. And I don't know what the justification was of being in the first 500 units manufactured. Um, it should be a warning sign for you, though, that they haven't sold all those off yet. Um, yeah. In the entire country of America and a product that's been out for over a year now. Um, well over a year now. So they haven't sold out of the first 500. Bike number 500 was still available and they are now altering it to make it a COVID limited edition COVID uh, commemorative donation, commemorative donation bike. Now yeah, it's like a charity thing, right? Stick with me. I'm going to break it down for you. And then you tell me whether or not you think it's bullshit. So what Harley Davidson has done is they've taken and they've made a very special one bike with carbon fiber body work and whatnot, and they are uh, auctioning it. So they're auctioning the bike off and all proceeds from this auction will go to the United Way. So this is a, uh, this is a brilliant, in my opinion, and tasteless marketing grab because all they have to do is they have to give up their bike. So that bike, if it costs you or me $30,000 to buy it, what does it cost them to manufacture it? And let's just say, let's, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say it costs them $25,000 to manufacture that motorcycle. Because remember, when you buy it from the dealer, the dealer's getting a, a, a percentage. That's his, you know, that's his margin. And then not only does the dealer make a margin, but remember the motor company makes a margin too, because they're the guys who built it. So let's just call it and be completely generous and say it's $25,000. It costs them to make it. But remember the $25,000 that it costs them to make it now becomes a tax deduction for this donation that they're making to the United Way. Now, everything else above that, that the high bidder is going to pay, that let's just say the high bidder is $50,000. So that money is going to go to the United Way and that's fantastic. But remember that Harley Davidson is also going to, because they're organizing this, Harley Davidson is going to be able to claim a $50,000 donation to the United Way as well. And for a company that is um, having problems with their 
unit sales and their profitability right now, making these massive donations, that's great for them uh, from a tax standpoint. But more importantly, it's amazing free marketing. I mean, it is, they're getting tons of hits on this. They're getting all kinds of views on this. And using COVID with Harley Davidson and the live wire, that's, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it's, it's very similar to doing the, you know, the Twin Towers edition of, you know, the Harley Davidson soft tail. Which I wouldn't put past them. Well, I mean, we're talking about at least, right, what, 100,000 people are dead on this already? And so, yeah, the money's going to go to the United Way, and that's fantastic. How about Harley Davidson just fucking taking $100,000 and donating it to the United Way and being cool? The idea of doing this COVID limited edition bike, this is a marketing stunt. That's what this is. Yeah. A 100,000th person that passes away should get the free Harley. There you go. Yeah. And and that's, you know, and that's one of those things too. And you, you just sit there and you go, okay, so you own the COVID you own the COVID commemorative Harley Davidson. You're the guy that spent 50 or 60 or $70,000 to buy that bike number 500 of the first 500 Harley Davidson live wires. I have an idea to increase the profitability of all Harley Davidsons. Yeah. That would be to, in order to buy a Harley Davidson, you'd have to purchase raffle tickets. Any Harley Davidson is only sold through raffles. Yeah. So if you want to buy a Harley Davidson, you have to buy buy raffle tickets. X number of one dollar raffle tickets. Right. You know, I was thinking about it, and after what you know, listening to that video we were talking about and some other stuff, um, I don't think Harley could send a hundred thousand dollars cash. They'd have to send, uh, um, uh, what do you call them? Stock options. Stock options and shares. Shares. Because all they have debt. They have like you know their whole thing is based on debt, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. I think their new CEO, their interim CEO, and I hope right. he sticks around longer than interim. I hope interim is like interim in the next five years. He's around. Okay. At least. But um, he basically just completely gutted that whole more roads to Harley Davidson thing. Right. Exactly. And uh, I don't know if you remember, like one of the last times I was on, I was talking about clever $0 ideas versus really smart multi-million dollar ideas. Right. And he was talking about, um, I think their new thing is they just came, I just read a thing this morning actually about how they want to uh, limit the number of new bikes they're selling mm-hmm. um, to drive demand that way. And they're basically kind of leaving the dealers holding the bag, unfortunately, and telling them, you know how last year we told you we don't want you stressing used bikes? Well, actually now we want you selling all those used bikes because otherwise your dealership is going to be a ghost town. Exactly. If you don't but, make any money, you're not, or you don't have something people want to buy. That's it's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's fucked because that is honestly probably their best, uh, their best route forward. And they're talking about limiting colors and options. And I think that's a great idea. I think you should have like a CVO bike and then you should have like the standard, the all black standard. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, they should do cash for clunkers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like a really ridiculous pie in the sky idea, but like, yeah, if Harley only made the standard version, cause they have the Electroglide standard too, and they've got right. like the iron eight, eight, three and 1200 and they've got the soft tail standard. So all of their major bike lines are represented by a bare bones, any color you want, as long as it's black bike with no options on it. Mm-hmm. The, you know, they should convert part of the dealership into like the Harley boutique, but instead of all the t-shirts and shit, it's like more, you know, it's stressed. These are all the parts that you could buy to make your bike whatever you want. 
right. make your, make your custom bike, have like a paint shop yeah. within the dealership. They've done it before. That, it, I mean, that was, that was yeah. a critical element. That was a real popular thing that they did in the, um, just prior to their hundredth anniversary edition, they, they knew the hundredth anniversary edition was coming up and they needed to inject some life into the market. And one, one of the things they did was they would have a, a basic, you know, Dyna sitting there and then on the wall behind it, they would have 15 sets of tins, you know? So they would have 15 sets of tins of all the different ways that we would be happy to order in a, your Dyna with, you know, pick it, you know, just, just go, just look up on the wall and pick your tattoo flash. Uh, and we'll build yeah. Or do you want to match it? I mean, have any of you guys been in a Porsche dealership within the last few years? There's a whole section of the Porsche dealership where you sit down with color swatches and leather swatches and like you could order your car with any of this shit. Right. And, you know, it, you, you can have it any way you want. And I think, um, but I think going the other way and saying, you know, we're going to make the bike this very basic way and you can get it in black, white, or red. Yeah. And here's the whole catalog of shit you can do to it. And we'll be happy to put that shit on for you, but the bike is only going to be manufactured this way. Hey Cam, I've got a question for you. So right. we know how much energy and time people have spent talking about the, um, the Pan America yeah. and talking about the Bronx. So we mm -hmm. know that last year and, you know, in January and February, that was the fucking story at the motorcycle show was Pan America and Bronx. Right. And the new CEO has said, shit can all of that. Um, <laughs> so I think his very uh, diplomatic way of saying it was, is that we're, they're, they're not going to roll out as many new products or they're going to kind of limit what they're doing. So there was uh, the Bronx, there was the Pan America, and then there was that custom street fighter bike concept right. that we saw that was kind of based loosely on that. We're not going to see that bike. I think we're still going to see the Bronx and the Pan America. Not till 2021. Yeah, I was about to say, within the next 18 months, we're going to see them. Yeah. And uh, because I think, and, and I still think that the Bronx concept is the eventual replacement for the Sportster. Sure, that makes perfect um, sense. And so I think that they're still, you know, they've already spent the development money on that. The bikes that we saw in January at the um, motorcycle show looked almost finished. I mean, all of the important stuff looked finished. It was all the details that just seemed kind of a little bit wonky. But, you know, the um, the bones of the bike looked production ready. And I think that's kind of the direction they're probably going to go in is that instead of having the Sportster, you're going to have this small displacement bike that can be anything. It can be an adventure bike or we can change a few of the parts and make it a street fighter or we can change some of the parts and make it a small cruiser. Why can why couldn't uh, Harley do something like BMW does? Because like BMW, you can order a fancy BMW bike. You can get a GS twelve fifty now with all the bells and whistles you want, but you might have to wait fourteen months to get it. Or you can take one of the seven that were shipped to your local BMW dealer, <laughs> W dealer that have most of that on it. There might be one or two like you know stock ones, and they're going to go in the first day. The other ones are fully loaded twenty eight thousand dollar bikes. So you can either go in and take that now. Or in 2021, even though you paid today, 14 months from now, you can have your bike shipped to that dealer and pick it up. Right. But the weird part is, is it seems to demand or it seems to create demand that ne doesn't necessarily there. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I think uh, Barry White said that anticipation is... My idea is this. 
you've got motors that have been built. You have your basic motors. There's they their their motor game is pretty up to date right now. Yeah. So don't change your motor. You're gonna have you know a big motor and a small motor. You're gonna have you know, and then just build frames around the motor. You want you know put the small the small motor is going to go in a sports store, or it could go in something like a Ulysses type chassis where it's an adventure bike, or it could go in something that's like a a. Uh, street tracker chassis or you know what I mean because I think and correct me if I'm wrong once you have the motor and everything EPA yep. spec out and everything like that it doesn't really matter what kind of frame it goes in yeah so you can you could give you know there's three choices right there you can have your traditional sportster you could have your Ulysses you could have your street fighter heck you could even go for a fully fared you know uh, retro race you know yeah, I think uh, I think uh, that's kind of where they're going. The engine that, that that's going in the Bronx and the Pan America, I believe they're calling the Revolution Max, and there's two yeah. different sizes of that. And then within the um, uh, within the what Milwaukee Eight, you've got the um, you've got I think two sizes of the Milwaukee Eight, and you've also got the uh, water cooled heads, and then the fully water cooled Milwaukee Eight. So I believe. If I'm remembering right, the um, soft tails are running the, the water-cooled head motor, and then the full-bore touring bikes are running the fully water-cooled motors. But, I mean, again, they're base, it's basically two-engine families is what they need to go down to, and then variations yeah. within that. Um, but, yeah, it was like uh, Cinch was saying about how the whole, oh, I've got to wait 14 months on my bike uh, for my bike. Barry White said that anticipation was the best part of sex, and I think that that works well within – any luxury market. If I need, if I decide I want it and I can get it right away, then it's over and it's not as special. But if I have to wait for it, it means other people want it. So many other people want it and, or it takes so long to craft it. You know, a McDonald's cheeseburger takes, if I decide I want a McDonald's cheeseburger, I can drive to the McDonald's at the end of my street and have one in 30 seconds. But if it, you know, if it takes me a year to get the Harley that I want, I think it was like that in the nineties, wasn't it, Phil? There were like really, I really, where I feel that that does fall down is that's with your $30,000 customer. That's your, that's your guy who's 25 K and up. That's the guy who wants the bike that's built for him. What we see a lot of, or we see a lot of guys like, fuck it, dude, sunshine. And I want to ride right now. And when they come into the shop, and it's hilarious to see that first default move because Americans are trained now. They are power consumers. And a power consumer does not accept no for an answer. You told me no, fuck you, one star, moving on. And that's the way they operate. And when you tell the guy, you're like, I'm sorry, you know what? The satin blue, I don't have one of those in stock right now. I got three of them coming in in 14 days. Fuck you, bye, gone. And then they're going to pick up their phone or get on the doobly-doo and they're going to hit it and they're going to find, you know, oh, I got a dealer that's uh, 1,137 miles away, but he's uh, upside down, he's backwards on his flooring and he's going to ship it to my house for 43 cents. So I'm buying it from him. And that's what guys will do. And they will spend three or four days calling everybody on the planet or emailing everybody on the planet and trying to find that particular color combination that they want until they find a dealer somewhere that has one and a dealer who is desperate enough and motherfuckers are desperate enough right now to make a bad deal to get that guy his bike he wants. So right now, consumers have been trained that they have this kind of power. But here's the weird thing that's happening. 
because of Rona and because a lot of motherfuckers haven't been going to work in China and Italy and places what build motorcycles, guess what? We're running out of bikes. We don't have them. So if somebody comes into my shop right now and says, Ooh, I really want that, you know, the blue one, the satin blue one, I want that. I can look at them and tell them, okay, look, these are the ones that we got because they were built before February. Pre-ban. Yeah, pre-ban, exactly. And then February, Italy closed. So they didn't build anything till now and they're still not open. And we're at the bottom of the pecking order. So you can get pre-ban, sure. Or you can order- Fill their domestic market first, right? Right, or you can order in, right? Which could take unknown period of time. Um, We just got a memo from Piaggio that said, and this is Piaggio, this is Piaggio, Vespa, Aprilia, Moto Guzzi. They said, if you can get it and you can order it and we have it right now in our warehouse, we strongly recommend you take what you can take because we are making no promises for June and July. Well, keep in mind, Italy is always closed in August. So if they're making no promises for June and July, you might be rat fucked until September or October. You might be rat fucked if there's another shutdown. I mean, Italy could, you know, they're ahead of us. They might get, you know, the second wave come through and they might be like, fuck it. We're spiking. We got to fucking shut shit down again. So, um, all that silly stuff, like we're not joking around. Uh, Sleepy got his TNT 135. We're not going to see another one of those for a while. I just opened up, uh, I got a shipment the other day, got got two of them in, and I got two more coming, and I don't expect I'm going to see any more for a long time. <laughs> so um, if you want one of those little SSR 125s or one of those 110s, good luck, man. Call everybody. Um, I, I had a guy, really guy was like, well, if I buy two of them, will you give me 300 bucks off? I was like, if you can find two of them, you fucking buy two of them and you count yourself lucky, but you may have to drive 400 miles to get them. So, you know, are there markets that are there, are there, are there economies that are still up and running? Like you look at places like South Korea where they didn't get to it too bad. Are they starting to, are they, have they been able to maintain manufacturing or are they not hit too bad because they just shut every fucking thing down? You know, Brazil was until a day ago. Yeah. And now they're, they're talking mass graves. Right. And uh, the weird thing was we ordered a sidecar rig for one of our customers and the sidecar, this particular sidecar is built in Indonesia. And the company that was building these sidecars has been sending me pictures um, of the build as it goes along. And the guy sends me this picture of, you know, indigenous Indonesian person in Jakarta um, spraying the, uh, the paint, the white, you know, paint on the bike he is got nothing in the way of ppe so the fuck with corona no i'm talking about paint talking about just fucking paint he's painting in a little room in a paint booth with nothing over his face and he's not wearing a shirt so no shirt no shoes no service means nothing to this guy he's spray painting a sidecar rig with nothing on just breathing it Dude, have you ever seen a bug when it falls in a can of paint? That's that guy. That's that guy. That's his lungs. Corona can't take this guy. When I used to, I used to race RC cars professionally. I know it's weird, but whatever. But I did that. And um, how'd you fit in that little motherfucker? Yeah. Well, you know. But uh, there was a guy that was there all the time, and he was kind of fucked up, and he was older. And I was like, "Hey, what's up?" I started talking to him. And that's you now. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But he um, he was an auto auto um, auto painter for almost twenty five years, 
and he never wore gloves. He wore a respirator and stuff, but he never wore gloves. And so he lost his job or something and moved on, and he started to have withdrawals, and he went to the doctor, and he's like, what the hell? He was having chemical withdrawals from the paint. Like, it was absorbing through his hands so much, and his things, for like, he went through straight up, like, heroin withdrawals. He was sweating. He was sick. He had to go to the hospital for a week and a half. They had to give him, like, medication to get him off of it. And then he came through it, and they found out his liver was kind of fucked up and some other stuff. But it's – like, people don't take that shit seriously, but it is, man. Like, that's, that's like a straight-up chemical going into your body through your skin. You can get addicted to methyl ethyl ketone, and that is a bad, bad thing to get addicted to. So, oh, hold on. I think that's my doorbell, and I believe uh, Shane Post has arrived. What? Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I, well, he's not our very special guest, but I'm going to see if Merrick can drag him in. <laughs> so, oh, very nice. Hey, Shane, come on in, man. Um, so you guys might remember Shane Post from when we used to do the podcast a thousand years ago. Uh, hey, Shane, violate social distancing laws for one second. <laughs> and hey. there he is. Hey. <laughs> um, we're right down at the lake nice. with the sandbar. Yeah, there you go. Well done. Well done. Yeah, Shane uh, has been working on the escargot, and uh, the escar went. There's 200 bucks for Shane on the counter. Yep, right on. Did you bring it? No. Oh, okay. All right. Just dropping the keys off. Yeah, cool. So yeah, we've been doing uh, Japanese vehicle work and Shane has bravely stood up to work on 25 year old Japanese cars. I don't know why the fuck he would do it, but, but apparently that's what he said. He said his shop is crazy slow right now. So when they're crazy slow, they, they're willing to work on shit that doesn't have OBD2. Yeah. Um, yeah. My buddy uh, wanted to get the transmission fixed on his Corvette. Oh yeah. And, this is the uh, time to do it. Talk to your yeah. local mechanic. So well, he's a he's like a commercial guy for advance. So he was going around to all these shops, and he found a transmission shop that like his car wouldn't be in jail all summer in transmission shop jail. So he brought it there, and it was done in a week. And they had to completely <laughs> turns out they had to completely rebuild the transmission. IG was that an automatic or a stick? Tired. It was the automatic. It was a seven hundred R four IGF code. So Big surprise, right? Right. They're not unobtainable. They're at the oh, Cam. So what, what is your thought? Why did Harley Davidson kill the XR 1200 considering that, you know, it hit on, and I just watched that video that Fortnite. Yeah. And it was nice if that was the problem. You know, it was like the bike that rode well, it was priced at 10. It looked good. It was basically yeah. like he said, the new, the Indian, only the Indian track bike they have now basically was the XR 1200. Well, I mean, at the, so at the end of last year, let's talk about the Roadster, right? To talk about that bike, we've got to talk about the Roadster. The Sportster Roadster is an excellent bike. It's a Sportster with correct geometry. It's the, it's got, you know, dual disc front forks. It's got everything that you would want out of a, it's basically the the most current version of that style of bike that you can buy. Right. It's it's the closest analog to it you can buy. At the end of uh, last year, they were doing deals on, they, they were selling one of those, I think my price on it would have been like 11 out the door, brand new on a leftover 2019 Sportster Roadster. And that's a bike that if you buy it at the beginning of the year, that's like 14 grand out the door. And here's the problem. Here's why nobody's buying them. I am probably the biggest Harley guy, you know, or one of them. If I had $14,000 to spend on a new motorcycle and I love the Roadster, my first thought is going to be 14 grand gets me if I shop smart, a brand new V7 and a brand new Scrambler Icon, both of them for 14 grand. And I'm the biggest Harley guy I know. And you know what? 
I can buy those two bikes and not have to put up with the baggage of, you know, my friends seeing me on a Harley Davidson and all the shit I get for that. It was like Fort nine said, our parents thought Harley Davidson's were cool. So you know what that means? We don't. Right. And I mean, I think they're cool. Like I like them, but I also like Nick was telling that story about when he was pushing his Honda home and every Harley guy that rode by had to blip their throttle at him. And I kind of rolled my eyes. Cause like, I'm not surprised. And it's like, man, do I really want to associate with that? Do I want to spend $14,000 to associate with that? Right. Right. They, they've created, they've created all of their own baggage. Well, you know, it's weird. It's like, you know, when, when you're actually on a good ride, like you're, you're out three, four hours into wherever you're going, you're out in the stick somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And you come across some people riding and there's some Harley guys riding. It's actually like, you're actually surprised or impressed. You know what I mean? Like for such a big motorcycle company, like, wow, you're really touring on that thing. That's fine. That's crazy. Good for you. You know, like you don't see that very often. Yeah, they're not. I mean, it's the Harley Davidson touring bikes are very similar to me to uh, Corvettes because like my generation grew up thinking Corvettes were uncool because every time we saw one, it was some old dude driving it at 34 and a 35, never taking it above 2,500 RPM, not using the car for what it was intended for, keeping it nice for the next guy for some reason. And uh, I think you see that a lot with like the Harley touring bikes. I know they sell the Harley touring bikes, but I don't often see them actually being used for that purpose. And they are prop there are one of, if not the best in the business at building that style of bike. I but I mean, how many, how many people do you know in like the 50, let's say the 45 to 65 year old age bracket that have a Harley Davidson made within the last 10 years that has less than less than 5,000 miles on it that they bought brand new. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's every customer that rolls into my shop. So, you know, the, the vast majority of the work that we're doing on HD is uh, we're doing loads of tire changes. We're doing, uh, we've had quite a few of the twin cam 88s. So we've had a lot of the cam problems and we've had a lot of, we're not getting the, you know, the accessory installation stuff that's happening at the dealership. They like that work. But when it comes to an actual problem, that's when it comes to us. When it comes to, you know, we're replacing a clutch in a bike where we're doing maintenance items. The funny thing about them is we're seeing a ton of bikes that are 8, 10, 12 years old that have less than 5,000 miles on them. And they usually have neglect-based problems. And that's pretty common with the Harley crew is it's just – it's funny because it's no different than with the Vespa crew. The Vespa people that will buy a high-end Vespa, 300cc Vespa, it's not uncommon to see a bike come in that's 15 years old and has 3,000 miles. And the Harley's the exact same way. So the buyer is the same guy, but just on a different side of the street. Yeah. That's, I mean, I've, I've tried like in, imparting that in, you know, with my dad. Like, yeah. it's just... Cause his 300 sits so much. Yeah, of course. And, uh, I was threatening. I was like, well, I'll come pick it up and bring it down to my house and I'll ride the thing around. Right. And the problem was, is he liked that idea. <laughs> so that did not have the intended effect. Oh, that I mean, Hey, if he liked that idea, that's, that's great. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, um, what if n- you, what if you took your Harley over there and let him ride that a little bit? You think he'd ride your Harley more? 
No, he actually doesn't like the um, the Sportster because it's the it's the eight eight three low. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a lot like my dad. We're all legs, but my dad has bad knees. So like, oh. you kind of ride that bike in a cannonball position, especially right. since I put the mid controls on. Like it, when I first got my bike, I didn't understand why people liked forward controls on Sportsters. Mm-hmm. And while it is awkward, it is slightly less awkward than mid than the factory mid controls. Um. But yeah, you are in a in a cannonball position on a Sportster because especially with the seat heights really low and the bike is really, you know, when you have the shorter rear shocks on there too um, and the shorter shorter forks. Um, I, can't, I can't remember if the forks are actually shorter or if they're damped differently. But regardless, um, that bike is just, it's very, very low and with his knees, he couldn't ride it. I understand. I mean, that's, we have a ton of those come in and we get a lot of the super lows in and the super low is a tough bike to ride. It's, a, I it's think, uh, I think the ergonomics on a Savage are better. Yeah, I think you're right. And you can't turn a super low like a normal motorcycle. The second you try to lean it over all the metal parts hit the ground. Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to lean in a right hand turn and you have the stock exhaust on, you start hearing the tick, 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 oh, tick, is which that, is, wait, 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 wait. Are we seeing Mrs. Smith's uh, special, uh, is that Mrs. Smith apple pie? Yeah. yeah, they're muted. Okay. That's fine. Um, uh, uh-huh. it's a shame too. Cause I really like the stock. I like the sound of the stock exhaust on my Sportster. You're good. I unmuted you. I muted okay. you. You were gone. Okay. No. So this is Mrs. Smith's holiday moonshine. Holiday moonshine. Yeah. That stuff's it's, delicious. Uh, it's Christmas in May. It is Christmas uh, in May. Right at you. Um, could somebody do me a favor and pull up one of those illicit outlaw images of the Honda CBX uh, patent? I like uh, the one that's behind you. Is that a real TV show, Phil? So that's a movie called Night Riders. You All should right. see it. Uh, watch that movie. Uh, it's an amazing movie. And uh, Does it take place like in medieval times? No, it does not. It is a traveling medieval troupe. And they go and they travel around and they perform a medieval fair. And that's with a F-A-Y-R-E. And they, pr- they produce medieval times like uh, stuff, jousting and shit, but they do it all on motorcycles. Is that a CBX too? That is a CBX. Fuck, that and, looks so uh, cool. I just yeah. watched that movie. That oh, it's so a George funny. Romero movie. Yeah, two, uh, two weeks ago. Like You yeah. had it up last week. I meant to say that I had watched that movie like a week before you put that up. So. It's a fantastic movie. And uh, the stunt man who set, he was the stunt coordinator for all this. He was just on Liza's podcast on the Misfits. So if you go back a few weeks, you can hear him. He'll tell you all about all of his bikes that are in this movie and uh, what he did. Because he, he, was, he uh, was the stunt man for Evil Knievel in all of the Evil Knievel movies. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, and so he was the stunt coordinator and uh, set up all the stunts in the movie Night Riders. So, and it's a it's a fucking horrible movie, but the motorcycle shit in it is solid gold. Yeah, I like. I'm not, I'm not surprised that it's a terrible movie. Yeah, I, I liked uh, Charlie and the Moonbeam Rider. Yeah, <laughs> right. I just I just remembered the other day that a friend of ours owns our Legend of Billy Jean DVD, and I'm pretty pissed off about that. Here you go, mm-hmm. Phil. Go ahead, bring it up for me, Steve. There it is. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, we've seen this. So, this car design group, this car design group, they're, I mean, clearly this thing's photoshopped to within an inch of its fucking life. Uh, but 
you do let your eyes fall over it. And we do see that is the, the, you know, the late seventies, early eighties Honda CBX motors sitting in there, but with a photoshopped uh, cover side cover and uh, the carburetors have been removed via Photoshop um, that the back part of that frame looks to be um, artificially inseminated and the, uh, a bunch of other stuff on there. Yeah, a, bu- a bunch of that stuff in there looks completely fictional. But I mean, if that if that shield was sitting that close to those exhausts, yeah, and as hot as that thing would have to run for emissions, I imagine that that plastic uh, cowling underneath, yeah, would melt immediately. Yeah. That's the that's the money part of the uh, the bottom, you know, the bottom there. Which I mean, you could do that. You make it out of you know aluminium or something, and it'll it'll do fine down there. Uh, but the six and the six, you know, you'll notice a complete absence of Lambda sensors anywhere on the entire exhaust system. Well, they might be hidden with that. Uh, they might be hidden underneath that meltable cover. Yeah. You might be able to get one so you can get an upstream, but you're not going to get a downstream. Uh, Keep this in mind. So they applied, they have a patent that shows frame and some other stuff. Yeah. But this bike is a CBX engine, a front end yeah. off a 2018 BMW S1000R. It looks like an S1, yeah. A Japanese rear brake caliper and a Brembro front. Yeah. It has the tail end of a Ducati Desmosini and mm-hmm. the back off a Triumph. Right. So it's yeah. definitely a designer that put it together. But that yeah. being said, let me see. Hold on. Let me stop this one. It works for me, man. I'll take one. Sign <laughs> <laughs> me up. I'll buy a couple lottery tickets on that one. Well, yeah, but here's, here's the other thing. <laughs> That apparently this just got posted too. So yeah. This yeah. Dude? So yeah. that's the CBR. Right. Well, that's only a four-cylinder. But right. But it does yeah. have the same look, so I wonder if there is something with Honda that's doing something with these, you know? Yeah, I see the CBR. And, uh, well, the did problem- you, they're supposed to be also bringing out the CB1000F. You saw that, right? Yeah. The silver and blue and black one? Silver and blue and black one, yeah. That was supposed that to get launched at uh, – Tokyo Motorcycle Show or whatever, which got canceled. That's right. Yeah. So that kind of a thing. I mean, so here we are. This is a this is a strange time because in 1979, when the CBX came out, the only people that could afford to buy the CBX were douchey asshole engineer engineers and pilots, right? So in 79, when that bike came out, the douchey engineers and pilots bought all the 79 CBXs. And then by like 81 and 82, when they decided it was going to be some kind of a European sport touring bike, um, that's when it had just all the cool had rubbed off of it. And the people that had one or wanted one already had it and people fucking stopped buying them. So they were sitting in crates by like 1983, 1985, you could still buy a Virgin CBX in the crate because it was a, fucking expensive bike dealers had them on the that floor. bike that particular bike costing anything less than twenty thousand dollars no but you, right. you could have bought one this week for seven thousand dollars and bring a trailer yeah bring a trailer exactly yeah and this is that weird time yeah and steve's exactly right like the corona is going to bring out the weird shit uh the but that CBX that was on Bring a Trailer, yeah, it was in a crate, but it also had acid from the battery leaked yeah. on it. It drained out. Which oh, is- too bad. Oh, I could never live with that. <laughs> $1,000 off. Yeah. It was like $7,500. Bucks. 
I could never possibly take care of that. Uh, I've never had that happen to any of my bikes before. Right. It happened to all my bikes. <laughs> well, and the, you know what makes no sense about this is that those bikes, you know, uh, when those bikes shipped, those bikes shipped with lead acid batteries. I used to work at a dealership way back when. And Wait, um, all the H bikes. H. What's that? It was an H&H on Vine. Yeah, it was. So you, yeah, so you know where that is. And uh, as a as a very young reprobate, I spent a lot of time there. And the those bikes all shipped with a lead acid battery in place. So the, the lead acid battery was there, but then you had to uh, be really good with the little tube on the filler, and you'd have to put the lead the acid into the cells without spilling it all over a brand new motorcycle. Um, you were supposed to take the batteries out and do that and then put them back in, which no, nobody ever did that. You just fucking prepped them the way they were. You know, you just left the battery in it and, and juiced it from there. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's really weird that that bike was a crated bike, but it had battery acid damage as though somebody took the crate, the lid off the crate, reached down in and juiced the battery and never took it out of the crate. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Started prepping it and then stopped prepping it. It's really fucking strange. Sounds yeah. like state in uh, uh, Valkyrie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hear those guys. Hey, did Sam make the payment on that bike? Is he actually picking it up? No. Uh, put it back on the shelf, boys. And they're like, fuck. Yeah, it is. It's so that's the funny thing, though, is so that bike did end up selling for uh, for 7K. Is that it? Wow. Is that what it was? Something like that. But yeah. they also, a lot of people were saying that the reason that you're going to find CBX is still in the crate is that they really didn't sell that well when they came out. Like Correct. It, it was yeah. like a cult bike later on, but when they came out, nobody cared about it. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, uh, when I got mine ages ago, I got mine with full extra set of body work, a full extra set of pipes. I mean, anything you could imagine, I bought. And of course, the guy that I bought it from was an asshole engineer, right? And uh, he he made the Honda dealer sell him a complete extra set of bodywork. He really, really wanted a black one. They couldn't get him a black one. And he was willing to take the red one they had on the floor, but he bought every bit of bodywork to, um, to build it into the bike he wanted. So sounds like someone else I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So really he, you know, he got the bike he wanted, but, that's that's really what it was, and so the one that so you know the one that's listed up there right now, we've got a there's a 1982 CBX Supersport. These are the European style ones. They they call them like the European um, sport tours. Um, these 82s they had the shitty like 85 mile an hour speedometer, and they were not the fire breathing 1979 CBX that we all you know read legends about. Um, yeah, these things were EPA bullshitted up and they weren't a lot of fun. And here's this 1982 Honda CBX Supersport on Bring a Trailer. And I'm going to go ahead and share it because it's fucking terrible. Uh, I'll pull this up so you guys can see it. Oh, okay, so apparently Steve has disabled screen sharing. All right. I didn't. Uh, I'll, I'll look. Wait, where is Yeah, take a look. Let me see. Where would that be? So the new one's going to have to be a brand new motor, right? I mean, they're not. Well, I mean, it's going to be from ground up right. if they're going to make a new one, right? Yeah, you got it. And that's exactly what it is. Are we sharing that, Steve? I'm working on it. Hold on. Okay. Man. All right. I'm waiting for a post piston engine. 
No, you should be able to silence. I mean, no, like a two, like a common two-stroke. <laughs> I love the way Steve keeps trotting out this idea of a of a, a, a push me pull you motor. <laughs> <laughs> I want the one problem so with a new CBX is going to be the same problem that you had with. Problem with the new CBX is going to be the same problem with the old one. Yeah. Is that they're it's it's a six cylinder motor, but they're not going to be able to tune that motor to be able to put out the maximum amount of horsepower that you could get from it right. because it would be too much. Right. So they're going to have to detune it. So it's going to be a big six cylinder motor detuned. So you're going to have all the weight of a six cylinder motor. Yeah. But it's not going to it's not going to beat probably like a, a CBR one thousand. You know what I mean? It's not going to be a Hayabusa killer or anything like that. Right. But an inline six is the most is the only motor that's harmonically balanced. So I mean, you yeah. can't beat an inline. So, so now you're going to push it towards the the sport touring crowd, maybe, but it's still going to be, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and goofball, goofball engineers will buy it. <laughs> that's because, like, I don't think there is like an engineer bike route out there right now, is there? It's, you know, it is, there's the BMW stuff is always going to be. Engineered. Yeah. Oh yeah. The BMW stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think a, tail, how do you guys like the tail? Uh, an engineer would buy a VFR 1200. Yep. That's right. Tail I mean, a, a, a engineer did buy a C3 scooter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, I mean, when you look at this, so you guys remember that a couple of years ago, a CBX in any condition was $10,000. Yep. Right. Ooh, I like that scout. Wait, let's buy that scout. Steve, so. if you go on Facebook Marketplace, the world is your oyster. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the Facebooks. Well, what's funny right now is if you're trying to buy a boat, uh, boats are motherfucking expensive right now. Oh, I thought they were cheap. I mean, there were a lot of $2,000. I mean, in yeah. my bracket, you know, looking for just a, a, a beater with a heater. Right. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know. It, on the Facebook Marketplace, it was dirt cheap. Yeah, back there. <laughs> Steve and his boat. So I, I have to ask a question about the CBX. Yeah. Because I wasn't around when they were new, so I really don't have the context to understand. Why is the CBX, why does the CBX have a legend uh, built around it? But the um, KZ1300. Right. Because the because the when the KZ thirteen hundred came out, it did not have one iota of drag strip uh, credentials because the KZ one thousand was still out there dominating the drag strip. Gotcha. And the KZ thirteen hundred came out, and it came out to be smooth as fuck, um, fuel injection system, and it was designed to be a, a bagger. It was meant to be a touring bike. So the only people buying it were the engineers who wanted to travel extremely long distances and do it smoothly inline six cylinder motor. When the CBX came out, the CBX was all about like, oh my God, have you heard it? It sounds like an F4 Phantom. It does not sound anything at all like an F4 Phantom. And it's basically designed to keep uh, mechanics in work because it's six carburetors and 24 fucking valves and they're all shimming buckets. So nope. it's, a, it's a maintenance. At least form. the original KZ 1300s were three... Three two-barrel carburetors. Right. Yeah, three twins. Yeah. Okay. And they're a much better looking bike, too, to be honest with you. The KZs? Yeah. No, I think the KZs people were... didn't like the water-cooled, like the, yeah, the, the liquid KZs cooling were... on them. Everything on a KZ-1300 looked like a fucking brick. It all, everything was all squared off and shit. Yeah, square. without the, without the uh, bikini fairing on the headlight, they do look kind of goofy. 
Yeah, they're they're very Lego. Yeah, yeah KZ thirteen hundred looks like a bunch of Lego. Yeah, too much. Find radiator. find one with a find one with a fairing on it, like my bike. They look a little better. Yeah. So, so Plus, to this conversation, what is everybody's uh, most beautiful bike? Oh, that's a turbo! Look at this. Jesus thing. Christ! <laughs> look at that exhaust. Uh, that's one of the Denkos. Ignored you. Yeah, if you uh, at the one show, John and I saw one of those Denkos parked there. Look at this though. Even that, the turbo version only sold for seven thousand clams. <laughs> so wait, that, you saw one parked at a show, which means someone rode it there? No, no, it was it was probably trucked in. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know the Denko versions of the. I think it was the Denko version of the KZ one thousand. Maybe it basically said these are the things that we did to it. These are the things you have to do to it if you want to ride it. But we strongly re- strongly recommend not riding it because riding it could probably hurt you and break itself. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't they- we see one of those uh, Denko one thousands at uh, Vintage Days? Uh, I don't know if they're yeah they're the red they're the kind of uh, black with the red and with yellow. the gradient yeah they almost look like Buick Grand Nationals yeah I saw one of those pretty hot yeah but it was one of those things that they basically told you congratulations on your purchase of a turbocharged motorcycle now please don't ride it and if you do we're not going to warranty any of it is it I think uh, Saline <laughs> I think it was Saline did a Focus yeah did a they did a Saline Ford Focus that had nitrous in it. Huh, but it wasn't actually hooked up when you bought the car. Okay. And I think there was like a thing you had to sign that was like, if you actually connect this hose to this bottle, you avoid any warranty the car has had or will have ever. Yeah. If so, you so, armed it, if you flick the arming switch <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for the grenade, if you pull the pin, you avoided your warranty. The second, yeah. yeah. The second you put message. plumber's tape around this fitting, your warranty is null and void. The uh, here's uh, you guys remember that podcast we did last week that involved Liza? Yes. Okay. Um, so we were in the middle. It was hilarious because we were in the middle of actually asking or answering one of our podcast listeners' questions. And as we were, we had introduced the question. We were about to answer it, and then Liza kind of grabbed the topic and had kind of hijacked it. Um, I did not. Uh, I did not know about it until I listened to it. And then when I listened to it, I was like, oh shit, that actually happened. So the, uh, so yeah, our, our guy, Matt Davidson, who we were talking about owns a shit ton of bikes now and went from no motorcycles or like a CB 350 to just a fleet of like CB 350 Fs and CB 550s and CB 750s and the whole deal. And question, his question that he's been trying to ask for about five months, got to give him credit for sticking with us. He's trying to ask us what our favorite electronic ignition system is for vintage multi-cylinder Japanese motorcycles. Points. <laughs> I knew oh, it. Shit. <laughs> Points. <laughs> Points. <laughs> so there you go. When you're looking for a good electronic ignition system for your vintage Japanese multi-cylinder motorcycle, John, the Honda Whisperer, recommends points. <laughs> um, I do still swear by the Dynas. I, I, we order them in at the shop. We do use them. Uh, they work. I, I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's just, it's, it's a good, it's a good solid system. And 
It's been around for fucking ever. I mean, it's hilarious that we're seeing Dyna systems now that are, that are really fucking old. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know who's got a better electronic ignition system right now, but, uh, there's, there's a few out there, but I really think that ultimately everybody's kind of, kind of barking up the same tree right now. Cycle X is, I, we had a Cycle X one coming to the shop and it's really fucking nice. I mean, the maybe Dyna- you could modify the, uh, electronic ignition off of an 82 Honda shadow. Oh, yeah. on your vintage Honda four cylinder. <laughs> that would be a great improvement. The, uh, the, the Dyna. So the, yeah, the, the Dynatech I've, I've worked with them a lot and they work really good. The Dynatech S's do work really, really good. The, um, cycle X, the cycle X ignition system actually works really good. Uh, I've not had a problem with them at all. So if anybody wants to, to jump in and kind of give their opinion, uh, I think that honestly, I think that that's a really good deal. We've, how, we've probably done do any of them come with a new stator. Yeah. Yeah. We've also, we've also done probably a hundred of the PAMCOs and the PAMCOs hold up. So, I mean, realistically, those are, I, those are great. I mean, I don't think I would go, I don't think I would say that there's a problem with any of those. Um, Pamco's are solid. I, I like them. I, the good news is those companies and you have your choice, they're all really fucking good at it. I mean, there's, there's not anybody. I'm, those are the ones we've messed around with. So um, I think it was, wasn't it Moto Man that uh, Dustin had a Moto Man system on his um, and he was happy with it. So, yeah, I, th- I don't think that you can go too far wrong with that shit. So, Phil, so with, with the EFI stuff that's, you know, a lot of the Chinese places are coming out with EFI systems, from, mm-hmm. or not Groms, they always come up, but like the Chinese Groms and dirt bikes and all this stuff. How far, how long do you think we are from, like, to, like, these, these just being available? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's an excellent point because we bullshitted about it like four years ago, five years ago, six years ago. We always talked about, like, how do we get, like, what's the deal? Who's going to bring us Ecotron. out? Let's, let's do it, buy an Ecotron kit and put it on something. And right. wouldn't every Goldwing, you know, if you could take a GL1000 and put a fucking fuel injector, it'd be yeah. the fucking best thing that ever happened to it. Absolutely. But still, why not? Right. vaporware. Still vaporware. And, and that's where, you know, the more – Pete's or uh, Steve's right. There's, there's a lot of people coming out with off the shelf because the shit's getting cheaper. Now the components involved with building a fuel injection system are, are just getting fucking cheap. And the, you know, uh, electronics is no longer the hurdle that it used to be. Well, even the electronic ignition. I mean, I was thinking, uh, Bruce for a period of, you know, he pretty much developed, he had it working on a bike. But I was working with him on just taking Chinese scooter parts mm-hmm. for his little, uh, you know, his little 100cc two-stroke two-cylinder right. and basically, you know, set of coils, a yeah. pickup, a CDI, and you could make it a bike. You could make your own system out of just cheap, readily available fucking Chinese scooter parts. Right. And the thing is, is all these companies make like Bazer and all these people make like ECUs you can buy. So they didn't have to really focus on that. They could just make the injector. And right. the other stuff, and you know, that's it. With the electronic ignition, I mean, all you need is a you know a couple little CDI boxes. The biggest hurdle is mounting your pickups. You have to mount, make a plate, and make something that goes on the end of your either your camshaft or crankshaft. 
to mount your pickups. And if you have a, something that'll trigger your pickups, then, you know, you can run anything else you want. Coils, CDI, and everything that hardly even matters. Look at how Most cheap this CDIs, stuff is. This stuff is ridiculous. This a Dyna S ignition system for a CB400F or your CB350F is 144 bucks. I mean, that's cheap. that's cheap, man. That's cheap. And I mean, if you want to get the hot coils with it, you get the hot coils with it, you're looking at another 140 bucks. But, and that's everything you need. Well, that's, that looks like that's just for the, the triggers. Yep. If you want the full package, it's $289.95, isn't it? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you want everything. You want wires. You want coils. You want the triggers. You want the whole deal for a CB750. Um, or a CB550 or CB500, that's going to set you back a whopping 289 bucks. All right, so 289 bucks. A set of points and a condenser and the two hours it takes for me to install them and dial them in and get everything right, yeah. It's about 40 bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 40, so, I mean, a set of points, the two right. points. Set of points and condensers is 40 bucks. Right. Points and condensers is going to cost you today's market about 50, 59, 60 bucks. But the problem is the hour for me to take it apart and put it all back on again. Now we're up to close to 200 bucks. But the instructions for doing all that are yeah. in the factory owner's manual, the factory manual. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I personally use C, the C5 ignition. It's an optical ignition. Yeah. Yeah, and it works great. I mean, I put it on my Euro, I put it on my Honda, and there's no, there's really no issue with it. The only thing I don't like is that it's, I mean, the the uh, advance curve is either on or off. It's right. Like, it's there's no right, like like it doesn't advance like a centrifugal advance where it's like gradual advance. It's either advanced or not advanced. So, okay. And that's a big deal too, because some of the earlier systems that did that, it was truly, and it was a sensor and some of them were based on their throttle position and they were just, it was either you're getting an advance or you're not getting an advance. Go At ahead, Dan. 2,000 RPM, it goes to full advance. Yep, exactly. Go ahead, Dan. Aren't the Dynatech ignitions made in the USA? I think they are. Uh, I have a friend who just put one on a KZ750 and his is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I mean, just I, from our experience, the Dynas, we've done a ton of them and they do, they do seem to work and they do seem to hold up. Uh, it's it's kind of my go-to. Uh, if, if I were to chuck one on a bike, that would probably be my starting point. So the, uh, you know, and for, you know, for under 200 bucks, you're there, you know, so. That's a that's a pretty good place, a pretty good place to be. I'm cheap. Yeah, cheap. We know yeah. this. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I saw. So, I mean, that's that's what I dig. I dig that. I think that's a really good idea. The uh, I don't uh, I don't think that you know a turnkey fuel injection system. Obviously, that's that's what everybody wants. You know. And you would think you could develop like, you know, it would have to be like a single throttle body of a, of a medium size that you could bolt on anything that was from 750 to without, you know, maybe two different sizes. Right. It would all just be about you that you buy the kit and you just have to buy, buy the right intake manifold to modify it to your bike where it has an inline fuel pump. It has a, a heat sensor. 
that you just bolt onto one of the mo you know head bolts or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lambda sensor if you really wanted to drill and you know put a bung in one of the pipes. But right. I don't know. It should be able to be doing. I mean, they ran mechanical linkert fucking fuel injection systems on vehicles and stuff. So it doesn't have to be all that high, super high tech. You yeah. know, medium amount of programmability is something you can hook up to a laptop and download a, a program or have a CD come with it. That's, that's what I'm working on right now with uh, these Raspberry Pis. Yeah. So uh, I was talking to Nick today. And he's got a good throttle body. It's got a map sensor and a TPS. Okay. So, then, then what you need is a, a hall sensor for the like timing. Right. And so you have a timing signal. And then, like you said, you could add an O2 signal or not. Mm-hmm. The problem is with the uh, uh, pies, they run a variable clock rate. So That's right. Your, your chip is running at a variable clock rate, and you need something that's specific that the timing stays the same so that you know like what you're timing to. So I guess once I overcome that hurdle, mm-hmm. I should be able to just get the right size injector and be able to get an algorithm to be able to run it. And then based on RPM, I guess you need an RPM sensor, which is your hall sensor. Right, it's hall sensor. Yeah. Up 2,000, then you advance your timing, and you, I mean, it should work. Right, exactly. But You have lots of room. I mean, if you could really unitize it to where – Everything, you know, you had your throttle body, but maybe a pack on the side of the throttle body because you're going to have the room because you've ripped out a set of four carburetors. Right. So you right. should be able to have enough room to put an intake and, and a single throttle body and have a little room on either side of it to mount, you know, whatever controllers and stuff that you need. Yeah, just to keep them cool. I mean, all you need to do is make sure they're cool. And right. I mean, it should be – it should work eventually, but – but I mean, I'm a neophyte, and I mean, I, I'm doing. I'm working the best with what I have. You know, I'm. I'm not- eventually again. Yeah. That's crazy. Johnny's band with Steve. You, say so eventually again. Eventually. <laughs> eventually. Eventually. <laughs> hey, you guys want to see something? You want to see like the hottest thing in India? Yeah. What's her, What's her name? Oh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Liza. Uh, check this out. <laughs> that, no, she was well, in Pakistan. Was a year ago. Oh, yeah, that was a year yeah, ago. She was in Pakistan. All right, so check this out, guys. Let me know when you can see it. Yep, we're there. Okay. So, TVS and Torque and the TVS Jupiter. So this is TVS, okay? So TVS, um, th- these guys are just, they are setting up to make some serious, serious changes um, they're they're bringing you know a 312 cc with 33 whopping herspers um, that you know look, I mean look at their stuff and understand the market they're selling into and then keep in mind that it's these guys here these guys this cutting edge cutting edge technology bleeding edge you know some some of these vehicles have as many as two valves um, some of these some of these vehicles have no valves. Uh, you look at this product and keep in mind that it's these guys. It's this NASA level technology that just bought Norton motorcycles in England. Oh, a $50,000 motorcycle, a $50,000 tour de force Isle of man racing wild and out of control, insane built in a fucking castle. 
insolvent as a motherfucker, spent all the money down to nothing. You gave him a deposit for, or you, you paid all in for your $50,000 motorcycle. And, or maybe it was even 50,000 pounds, which makes it even more painful. Um, but now the company, that, that British company, is now owned by those guys. The guys with the biggest bike in their fleet is 315 fucking cc's. And they're now in charge of Norton. That's a step and, up for them. Yeah, <laughs> sure is, isn't it? <laughs> and, and part of it is like, okay, yeah, that Norton deal was totally fire sailed off. You, if you look at the details on that, that thing, that Norton deal was, uh, it's a fire sale. There's no better way to describe it. It's a hot mess. The, uh, that was a 16 million pound deal. It's a cash buyout from TVS to take over that entire, uh, you know, the, the dream factory at Donington Castle. And at least now the people who have got, you know, for um, the bike was, I'm sorry, 44,000 pounds. So these people were on the hook for 44,000 pounds. And uh, Sudarshan Vinu um, said that his intention is to get bikes to people who have paid deposits as soon as possible. And this is a V4 superbike. It's a V4 superbike being made by a company that has a lot of experience building single-cylinder motorcycles as big as 312 cc's. Well, do you think maybe they just take their money and refinance the existing production and get those out of the way? Yeah, I, I would hope that they would, but this is a really, this is a creepy thing because one of the times that Triumph went out of business, when, when Triumph failed, uh, what they had did was they kind of, some guys went in and they fired up the old tooling and they built bikes in the 80s, uh, Triumph motorcycles, and the, you know, you had the machinery there, you had the parts there, but you didn't have the technical knowledge to build the product. And yeah, if you're the guy that is running a company that builds 312cc motorcycles as your tour de force, your technical tour de force, and you got to go in and build a V4 race motorcycle, um, you know, you're going from a $3,200 bike to a 44,000 pound bike, you know, a $55,000 bike. It sounds like Indian. It sounds like the Indian before Polaris bought it. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? To, truth be told, what what I'm trying to say is, it, yeah. it, it spent that amount of money, uh-huh. um, which doesn't seem like a whole lot to buy a motorcycle company and all that kind of stuff and tooling. Right. They'd be smart to say, "All right, everybody's back on the payroll. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we got all the plans. We got all the, you know, supply chains. We're we're going to knock these things out." I mean, yep. You know, that, did that price include Donington Castle? I think it did. Yeah, and and the uh, and the parking garage too. <laughs> <laughs> and and two hundred years worth of indigenous uh, inbred slaves. Yeah, and four hundred <laughs> face masks. Right, and ninety fives. Properly. Yeah, it's. I mean, look at that situation. I mean, yeah, it's a sixteen million dollar or sixteen million pound deal, so that's a really fucking good deal. And in the spirit of India, fucking Britain, you know, backwards, you know, uh, buying that is really really cool. But it's very tough because Chris is right. You gotta you gotta hire every swinging dick that ever signed a a CAD document 
and make sure they're, they're back working again because otherwise you're not going to be able to get I mean, a V4 road racing bike is a really high-tech piece of equipment. And I don't know if anybody currently working at TVS in India is ready to jump into that level of production. Well, they're willing to give it a try. They're going to give it a shot. <laughs> they're going to bring their best tuk-tuk technology. They should have I mean, it's yeah. just a matter of what type of metallurgy and they probably have, you know, the, the machinery to build it. You know what I mean? They, they, if you have a CNC machine, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, and how long until we see a, you know, 180 cc bike with Norton scrawled on the gas tank? Well, that's what I was thinking. That they're just going to slap that on everything. Yeah, I mean, you we know, know, you know what though? If the bikes that they built as Nortons were the same quality as the Benellis that we've seen in your shop, I wouldn't be a hundred percent upset about that. Yeah, but we we are no strangers to Indian technology here, and yeah. uh, and we you know we kind of we have an we have a history with that. And we're used to some of that. We know what to expect. Uh, I can think back using the term Indian, different. Yeah. Feather, feather, not dot. But thinking feather, not dot, um, there was a whole lot of Indian mopeds and dirt bikes that were sold in the United States using the Indian logo, the Indian brand. And um, I'm going to tell you, I worked on a lot of those and I sold a few of those and they were atrocious pieces of shit. Um, well, that's what I was thinking about what they should do with the Norton name is come out with something like basically a Royal Enfield twi twin cylinder yeah. and slap Norton on it and sell mm -hmm. it to their domestic market all day long. Right. But some of the Indians had the same engine as the Honda PC50. Correct. That's true. But yeah, that was yeah. early 60s, right? Right. In late, late, I'm sorry, late 60s. Late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Four strokes, they, what they mean, like Sweden or something? Yeah, I think those were. The, the mopeds were kind of a mess. We, we, got, we got to see a lot of that crap. And, I mean, that really does, uh, you know, when you think about that, that's just that brand marketing. That's all that is. You know, that's just that's just using using the brand and the uh, oh, nice. Oh, every once in a while, it's one of those Isle of Man TT races patches pops up. Hey, so the, speaking uh, of shitty bikes, so Chris Smith, you did you buy an anus? You know what? I didn't go out there last week because it was too much rain, and uh, this week I was telling Steve Hoffert that. Uh, I was planning on going out there tomorrow, and I called him today uh, to check up on my test ride tomorrow. Yeah. And, um, the guy that answers the phone says, oh, yeah, you know, we decided we're not going to do any test rides tomorrow. I said, well, shit, I'm glad I called you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Nobody returned my email, and uh, he says, yeah, well, we'll see you in a couple weeks. What do you think? I said, All right. So I haven't been out there yet. Okay. Sounds like they're on quarantine. Um, actually, they've they've done a couple of things. They got a video with them doing a test ride with a guy, and they they all had masks on before they took off, and they all put helmets on, and uh, so you know who knows. And this is for the Janus. Yeah. Yeah, the Janus. Janus. Yeah, I've never seen them with an actual J, so it's just always <laughs> <laughs> the J is optional. Yeah. Yeah. Jay's silent. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's silent. 
<laughs> like there's something, like there's the something about the exhaust on that bike that just smells a little off. <laughs> <It's> a little <laughs> Oh, oh man! It just leaves a funny taste in my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> well, like pennies. Oh. So Ugh. that's what that's what you're buying, Chris, instead of the military C5. Do I have to make a choice between? I don't think you should make a choice. I really don't think you should make a choice. <laughs> I kind of want them both. I've seen some. I've seen some militaries. They're 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 around there, and they seem to be around there in the thirty five hundred dollar range. Yeah, you know, Renee sent me a, a link for one in Boise, Idaho. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a hell of a commute. Yeah. Phil would be happy to go pick that up for you. Yeah, for $3,500. Not going to happen. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> Double yeah. the cost of the vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to play that game. The, uh, but but there, there do seem to be a few, and I, I kind of just looking cursely through, you know, Cycle Trader and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of them. They're definitely for sale. You don't, you, you, the right one's going to pop down the street the second you buy one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, we could go through and we could call every single person that we sold a Battle Green uh, Enfield to and call every single one of them and be like, hey, you still got that thing in your garage? You need to come off of it because I'm certain that, you know, we did, we ripped through a bunch of them and there's got to be, there's got to be seven or eight of them hiding in the Cleveland area because we never see them being ridden, but they exist. Well, I mean, they got sold. Andrew Smith guy because he doesn't have his anymore. Well, that's exactly it. You're the only one I ever saw getting ridden. And <laughs> like, like a lot of Enfield owners, we do see Enfields pop up in the shop from time to time with like 200 miles on them, 400 miles on them. So people bought them as a fashion accessory and they just didn't get ridden a hell of a lot. So, that's too bad. Yeah. Just launched a poll. So yeah. are uh, looking. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a poll that I'd need everybody to answer. Okay. All so right. is that conventional or synthetic? I'm the, a serb, not a poll. Well, the, 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 here's the first problem is the poll you launched says, why did Lucas 20W50 synthetic race oil lower my motor synthetic. temperature by 35 degrees and make shifting awesome? Well, first of all, doesn't that bike call for a 1040? Yes. And so here's okay. the thing. So this so Lucas recommends this oil for summer riding for 10W40 oils. Right. So you run this up until I think 40 degrees. If it gets below 40, then you're you going to can't want start the bike. Yeah, it's going yeah, to be thanks to from us. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, but during our temperatures now, I mean, it's unbelievable. This oil, right. it, it's so the bike is so smooth. It idles like a fucking sewing machine. The shifting right. like butter. Yeah, yeah, because you had water in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, breaking so, oil is like water. So, anything's going to do it. You're going to piston that in that crankcase that order in five. <laughs> so, from my from my days in that admittedly short period of time and a long time ago, uh, from my days in that world, I can tell you that Lucas um, Lucas built their reputation, basically built their whole company on the back of a product called Heavy Duty Oil Stabilizer. Yep. Yeah. And uh, what it does basically is the most important thing it does is that. It makes, uh, and I don't know if they put this in their synthetics, but I know that all of their like conventional gear oils mm-hmm. have that same have that same uh, formula in them. That basically means that it's going to behave the same at room temperature as it does at whatever temperature your bike is at after it's been riding for a while. Yeah. And in my experience, these little single cylinder bikes get really warm, right? Really quickly, and so. Um, 
I, I think that alone could make a difference. So I feel like maybe if you had that additive in any lubricant, uh, that it would be the same. But I don't know if that additive exists in the synthetic. I know right. it exists in all of their um, gear oil and machine oil. Um, that's conventional. I don't know if it exists in their um, synthetic. But right. that's something to think about, something to look into. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, as Lucas Oil, I mean, has always been, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Mary Kay for old men. So uh, every time I've been to any motorcycle event, somebody walks up to me, well, toddles up to me. He's usually 175 years old. Does he have he's a cane? Got, yep. Oh, at least one cane. He's probably got a cane that has like the little four canes on the bottom of it. <laughs> With and, the tennis uh, balls on the bottom? Yep. Tennis balls on the bottom. And he's wearing a Lucas Oil uh, trucker hat that his ears are the only thing sticking out of. And you can, an yeah. Oil t-shirt. Right. Exactly. And, and what he'll do is he'll sell you oil? Lucas Oil, like a Lucas Oil subscription, I think, the way it works. But yeah, but... I can tell you there is, I've never had a problem with any motorcycle because of Lucas oil, but I've also never had a problem with any motorcycle because of Wolf's head either, you know, oil it's there or you have a fucking problem. Well, no, I get that, but I just, I couldn't believe, and I guess I didn't think about the fact that I had brake break in oil. Yeah, you had brake in oil on the bike. Yeah. yeah I, I couldn't believe the difference that, like, you just, I guess you don't realize how much of a difference oil makes. Oh, yeah. You know oh, yeah. So, Chris, a brand new 2020 Royal Enfield Military will set you back. fifty six ninety nine plus, 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 plus. All right. All right. Depends on the dealer. Warrendell, Pennsylvania. Yeah, there's a there's also another ad on Facebook Marketplace for a Continental GT for four grand. So um, that's in 2015. So what you do, what you might want to be aware of, and this is this is actually news, motorcycle news that you might be able to use. Um, Royal Enfield has announced a recall in all of its markets where you might find sodium based anti-icing agents salt salt um turns out their calipers are uh they must be on a salt-free diet and we had seen this problem on a couple of our royal enfields where it seemed as though for some strange reason the calipers were seizing uh a lot and we'd had a we'd had a problem with a few of the enfields uh caliper seizures due to just, you know, apparently just massive amounts of uh, non-homogenous metal uh, oxidation. And whether they didn't put enough uh, paint on it, uh, that, that- Phil, could you explain that a little bit though, just for our lay people? Yeah. What that means, because so I, I know a, what you're saying there. But. You get galvanic, you get a galvanic action. You get, an, you get a corrosive response when you have a- one type of metal and another type of metal uh, right next to each other. And if you have uh, a casting that is a, uh, a porous casting, you have, you know, we used to use the term pot metal, but now I'd like to use the term uh, cast. So you have a cast item, which would be some combination, a secret blend of 18 herbs and spices <laughs> melted down and then poured into a mold. And then you have a cast part. And the tendency with cast parts as opposed to forged parts is cast parts are full of little tiny holes. Porous. 
Yeah, they're very porous. And uh, things can get into those little tiny holes. And one of the things that likes to go into the little tiny holes is uh, water. Dihydrogen oxide gets in there real bad and sometimes brings with it uh, salt and other corrosive uh, or other oxidizers. And oxidizers... So your, stainless, your stainless steel piston is going to be fine. Right. But yeah. because of galvanic action and a, right. and a cast aluminum caliper, it's yeah. going to corrode. Right. And the whole thing with corrosion is corrosion is going to fucking happen. There's not much you can do to stop it. But it's when it happens a, f- a lot or too much in too short of a period of time that we get the situation that's not livable. And, and so uh, when, you add, when you add salt water to aluminum, it grows. Yeah, it does. It gets bigger. Yeah, and it gets bigger. How much clearance is there between a piston caliper and that cast aluminum housing? None. The term, the term that we like to use around the shop is a blonde one. Mm-hmm. And uh, once the blonde one's gone, then things don't move the way they're supposed to. Do you know that uh, oxidized aluminum is the, the second hardest material on earth? Oxid- aluminum yeah, oxide. It, yeah, aluminum oxide makes a wonderful sandblast medium. Corundum. Corundum? That would be the mineral. That would be the the mineral in in the wild. It's called corundum. Corundum. In the ground. Wow. So it's wild. That yeah. harvested from underneath somebody's nuts or something. Like what? <laughs> corundum? Really? No, it's it's uh, aluminum oxide, and it's second. It's uh, got a. It's on the most hardness scale. It's a nine. Wow. And diamond is a ten. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just a. a Useless fact. Good to know. So, yeah, Royal Enfield's had a lot of problems. They've launched a recall campaign. So, check it out if you're a Royal Enfield motorcycle owner. Take a look at your brakes uh, because they they have announced a recall. Now, the recall has been in all of the other countries except for the United States of America right now. Because we don't use salt. No, because Royal Enfield doesn't sell bikes in America. Royal Enfield North America sells bikes in North America. Ah. Yeah. So it's a different company because Royal Enfield does not sell motorcycles in the United States per se. They sell them through a separate distributor. And Royal Enfield has launched the recall on the rest of the planet. Um, It's going to take Royal Enfield North America to do the recall in the United States. Which they're probably hesitant to do. Well, people are going to have to complain about it. So if people have a problem with it, they're going to have to go to the NHTSA or, and uh, they're going to have to go to uh, make a complaint if you've had a problem with your brakes corroding or your brakes not giving you good performance. What tends to happen with these things, we know, is the feeling is you get a draggy brake. And uh, that's common on a lot of older motorcycles. It shouldn't be common on a more modern motorcycle. But look it up. There's a very clear, if you type in recall, um, Royal Enfield brake recall you can find it it's all over google there's no shortage of information on it so don't wait for the recall to come to you if you're having a problem hunt it down and uh get get yourself safe because you do not want to have a draggy front brake caliper weird things happen Uh, a lot of heat happens when your front brakes are dragging and then when a lot of heat happens your brake fluid expands and it can lead to a sort of a self-energizing thing and uh, you can get a rapid application of your front brake pretty quickly once it gets hotter than it should be. I've had it too where, like, you don't really even notice. Like, 
early onset is that you don't really notice it until you fix it. And then you're like, well, holy shit. I don't know. I lived like with this for so long. You know, every time I went to shift gears, it was kind of like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, like uh, the weird things are happening with the bike. And then you fix, then you clean your caliper and put a new set of pads on. You're like, oh, it rolls freely now. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to light a cigarette off of your brake rotor. Yeah, it's not good. No. And when you get off your motorcycle, you should be able to push it in the garage under your own power. Well, it's also important with brakes, too, like that they unload themselves. Yeah. So within a few revolutions, those pads really shouldn't be putting any pressure at all right. on the rotor. Yeah. Otherwise, you're wearing out your pads and you're creating you know, friction and everything like that. And, and I've never, I don't really know if the spring inside your master cylinder is actually enough to make a reverse hydraulic pressure to actually retract the piston just a little bit. It is certainly one one or two rotations of the rotor and any breed perfection of that will push the piston in enough to keep the pads from putting any pressure on it. Yeah. The, the, the idea behind the spring in the master cylinder, um, that pump, and that's why the relief portion of the pump is the size that it is, is so that the little pump that's in that master cylinder up by your hand, the primary part of that should be the relief of the pressure so that any pressure that gets put on can be released for a safety standpoint once your hand has released pressure on the lever. And so that's part of the engineering of that item. That's part of the design of the item to function correctly. So when we have those things get plugged up due to all the little particles and stuff that happen inside that cast housing and very, very old brake fluid, um, those little passageways get plugged up and then you can pump energy or you can pump pressure into the system, but it won't relieve itself. And that's where you have the problem. I, I had a pretty good uh, a lesson on um, brakes. I did the BV 500s. Yes, you did. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, been enjoying that one, haven't you? Oh my God, dude. There was no material left. No, you're on the backing plates. Yeah. It ate the rotor, man. It was, I, I, I that's nothing. You weren't even down to your piston yet. <laughs> <laughs> I should not that. I mean, we had bikes that came through the shop that you had to buy a new caliper because half the piston was gone. Yeah, we had guys, the piston, the piston had shot, had worn through the plate. They had worn through the pad, worn through the plate oh. so that the plate had a, like literally had a two inch bullet hole in the middle of it. And the piston was now the braking force against the rotor the amount of carnage was insane and yet the fucker kind of worked yeah i mean what the 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 pistons are what brass or there's some kind of softer material right no stainless it's stainless is it yeah. okay yeah, is they're stainless looking do i really need to buy a new rotor at that point <laughs> can't you just put a new set of pads on it Call it oh, you, you can for a minute. Freaking, <laughs> freaking mechanics trying to screw me over again. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And when you see that, you, you see a bike come in and you're like, wow, the rear brakes on this thing sound awful. Yeah. And, they, and then you look and you realize, holy shit, there's like caveman machining going on. Yeah, that was weed. Man. That was a uh, weed man, zigzag man's bike. Zigzag man, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that that thing. Fantastic. Dirt loss is a wonderful thing. Yeah, it really. It's it's it is insane. You but, can't really say the rear brakes sound bad when there aren't any rear brakes to sound no, bad. No, the the pads were gone, 
the pad holders, the plates were gone, and we were just they, the guy was just running on the piston, and and he was stopping. That bike was coming to a stop every time he wanted it to. Uh, I, I think scooters are awesome to ride. They're fun. They're easy. They're smooth. But working on them sucks balls, man. <laughs> I had to take off. I had to take off exhaust, a half a swing arm, fucking yeah. bolts and things. And I mean, like it was a process, man. Right. Did you have a nice set of impact dorks wrenches. Uh, oh, yeah. No, actually, I had to go to fucking Home Depot and buy one because <laughs> it takes a forty or a forty one, not a bunch. One fucking forty or forty-five sex star six point you know whatever torx thing it's not even a torx it's like a six is it a torx it's like a six star but it's bigger than a torx it's weird some are some are torx some are uh hex head yeah no that, that's the thing sets was it like an external hex or like a like a triple square yeah no it was like a six point like you know like torx kind of thing but it was a big one it's a 45 but there's only one like they decided they have all these bolts on the bike and they're like you know what this one bolt should be a torx bolt just to fuck with whoever has to work on this bike later on. <laughs> kind of sucks, man. What the Italians assemble, cinch shall not disassemble. Right. But, hey, it's successful, man. That thing stops. Now it's kind of nice. I actually have a back brake. <laughs> Woohoo! It's a luxury. I don't have to do it myself. Were you careful? Um, I think on those they have a graphite. It's, it's actually generally considered a perishable item. There's a graphite seal between the, the the muffler and the head pipe, so I I would think you're supposed to change those out. Did you have that? Did you? Am I correct on that, Phil? That on the BV500 it has that graphite, that perishable graphite uh, yeah. seal. Yeah. I think, okay, so I I'm I do not know. I I can't remember. I can absolutely tell you that yes, on the two fifties on the quasar motors, the quasar motors have a intermediary seal between the header pipe and the the exhaust, the muffler, and there's a yeah. Your John's right. It's a basically it's steel wool inside of graphite, and that creates a one time good seal. And that if you don't replace that, what'll happen is uh, flames will come out of where that thing used to be. And they will cut like a eventually little. it'll blow out all the graphite because once you crunch it once and That's then you release fun. it and then you try to crunch it again, it'll be good for a while. But if you're if your exhaust starts getting loud, yeah, you might need to replace that, that one item. They're super cheap. I right. think they're only like ninety dollars. <laughs> well, I, I think they're twenty nine bucks uh friends and family rate. I didn't I did not see that thing. Um and the pipe slid right over the other pipe. There wasn't a lot of, a lot of gap. But on, on the TNT-135, when I, when I used the jet engine piece to make the, the mid-pipe, right. um, it really didn't fit onto the header. It needed something there. And exactly what you're talking about, but I didn't have one that fit. Mm-hmm. So I ordered from Dick's for 6 bucks golf club lead waiting tape. Nice. So you get the golf club lead waiting tape, you wrap it to how much you need it, and you slide it on there. I mean, wear rubber gloves or whatever. It's lead. Don't touch it. But. Right. I tried the beer can thing, but the gap was too big. I needed like okay. wraps of beer can. So they actually even sell reducer sets and stuff too, like yeah. that are meant to be like, you can put one on or two on or three on, and it's just, you know, a split C ring kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try to find some of those, but this worked. I mean, like the lead tape worked great. It was four bucks. Mm-hmm. 
So get her done. Don't lick yeah. it. But besides that, you're all right. <laughs> get her did. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, I'll, I'll pull this up just so you can see it in case you're just curious. This is what we're talking about. Sleepy. Um, it's this guy right here. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so you take a look at that thing. It's uh, and it is inside. So that's where it is. What's really funny is, you know, our friends at Scooter West, twenty six forty nine. I said twenty nine bucks. I wasn't far off. And it's the fiber gasket, fiber exhaust gasket. But I did see. Take a look. There's uh, apparently, um, yeah, from the usual suspects here, four bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you get two of them for six bucks on Wish. So you can get those when you're getting your ball gags. Um, add a couple of those into it and, you know, make the deal so much sweeter. Yeah. But that's exactly what we're talking about right there is a crush uh, joining muffler uh, gasket. Yeah. And that's, that's what she is. And when you see, uh, you know, your, your clamp where you join these two things, that's where you're going to find that particular one. Now, there'll be another one up in the actual where the exhaust pipe meets the um, head, the cylinder head. There'll be a little washer that goes in there too. And that's going to look more like these guys over here. Mm -hmm. um, then you will the crush washer that goes between the um, header and the muffler. And so that's the deal. Well, it went back on and it's not making any weird noises. So No, I'd say you're, you're probably good. But if, if you have some errant flame leaking out of there um, <laughs> on the GTSs where the flame leaks out, it does a beautiful job of perfectly cutting through your rear brake fluid hose. Oh, perfect. Good. Yeah. And, uh, and can then summarily ignite the bike on fuego. So, um, that has happened. We have seen that happen. But leave it to Italians that if they're going to fuck something up, they're going out in style. Yeah, it's exactly it. Dude, I saw I think, this guy I think riding. any fuck up on an Italian vehicle results in fire eventually. Yes. There's like six degrees thing. of separation between any mechanical issue and a fire if it's oh. Italian. Yeah. I mean, the, the best Ferraris ever have all been flammable. I'm starting to like Italian vehicles even more. You know I have an affinity for fire. <laughs> well, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we thought you set yourself on fire when the thing didn't go off on the podcast. And you Look at Steve. Did you see the reflection in, in Grumpy Steve's uh, glasses? Yeah. It, look, it looks like SOCOM or something. Like I'm getting ready, like a sniper is looking at me. Yeah. Like a fucking alien. So so I sent uh sleepy. You guys need to stoke up the fire so we can see your fucking faces. They're gone, man. Look so at I, that. I sent uh I sent Sleepy some pictures of um Bruce's S V six fifty. Or not S V six fifty, I'm sorry, uh L S six fifty Savage. Oh, I already bought that. You fucking took too long on it, fucker. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, super bro deal. Fuck you. All right. I tried to set you up. Yeah, you can keep that. And you know what? That bike, that's one of those motorcycles. Wow, yeah, they only look good when they're wet. Yeah. Uh, secret secret technique for selling something. Right, that was my first thought when, was when I saw it. Well, he sent me pictures of it all covered in dust. Yeah, you know that when that thing dries out, it is going to be ashy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I did not buy it, but I did talk to Bruce about it a little bit. So how much is that, 800 bucks? I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is there like, is there a bad way to get a savage or is there anything really to look out for? Or yeah, anything? Head gasket. On that one. Tell them how many miles are on that one. 5,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Head gasket, base gasket, uh, usual suspects. Um, they're, they don't like spinning fast. So guys that rode them on the freeway, uh, we've had a couple of them come in with catastrophic big end bearing problems. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, they're, they, it's a motor that just really likes to be loped around town and does not like to spin. That and, was uh, that particular bike came from an estate sale from an older gentleman mm-hmm. who lived. It was over across the the way from Bruce's house. Yeah, Bruce had it. He had it up and running and rode it for a while, and then it sat for a minute. So it's in that. Well, it could run. Ran when yeah. parked. Ran when parked. I'd have to clean the carb and put a battery in it. But make them an offer, and you probably get a really decent deal if you just want to. Oh, yeah. A titled bike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's something that uh, Beth and I can cruise around town on that's a little bigger than the 150 and then mm-hmm. uh, teach Beth and eventually my nephew to ride on it. Right. It's a nice disposable bike. It is. Yeah. And it's just one of those ones that there's, they have all the weird wicked shit. Like, so they've got the, the vacuum pet cock. Um, that's a, you know, that's kind of a thing. Yeah. And you uh, can buy the bike for $800 and mm-hmm. spend $3,000 on a Rika kit. Yeah, and make it something really look that looks cool. <laughs> yeah. Watch the cam chain tensioners on these. The cam chain tension. The cam chain tensioners on these have got loads of fucking problems. Uh, they're just soft, so okay. they tend to they tend to have a lot of problems. I was reading uh, about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of like typical with this particular bike. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a valves thing too. I mean, it's it's a big single. It's a big thumper. And right. You know. I agree with Philip. You you could take it on the highway, but plan on doing about sixty five. Right. If you want to start going eighty five and stuff and ringing it oh, up. Oh no, yeah. I right. I have bigger bikes for that. I was just right. looking for something. Um uh, so. if I remember correctly too, these were ones that if it didn't have a perfectly hot, perfectly good battery in it all the time, they have a starter clutch mechanism in them that is uh uh frangible. Uh, that okay. they don't they don't last. So I think we I think we've done a couple of those. So yeah, that's uh yeah that's 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 kind of the deal. Hey, as a as a podcast, we have to do something. Um, a guest of ours a couple of weeks ago went down. Yeah. Oh oh oh, okay. oh no, Mister. Oh. oh boo. He uh, but here's the best part. He had a successful ride. Came home to do a happy wheelie. <laughs> 25 feet from his house and decided to wreck the wheelie. And so our buddy Knack has, what does he have here? He has a broken toe, three broken ribs, a broken collarbone, and a bruised lung. CT showed air bubbles in my left lung, and they're keeping me here at Dominican for observation. Oh, shit. 25 feet from his driveway going 25 miles an hour. He said he just tried to do a, hey, I'm home wheelie. And it didn't work out. <laughs> Get well, Knack. Oh, knock. Jesus Christ, man. Uh, yeah, I, we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? I wonder what he was riding. I don't know. That's a good He's point. Probably riding his XR. Let me see. Yeah. If there's any, uh... yeah. He's probably riding his XR. I don't think he'd be trying to pull a I'm happy to be home wheelie on his uh, Superhawk. So, yeah. And, yeah. So, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a tough that's a tough beat. I think he's still, I don't know if he still has his uh, Kawasaki 650 Ninja too. Um, I'm not sure which one he would have been on, but yeah, that sucks. Knock man. You know? Well, if he was on the X, sorry, he probably didn't damage the bike very much. No, it's probably okay. Yeah. He actually, the last sentence of his Facebook post says, and yes, the bike is fine. Yeah. Yes. The bike is fine. I had to do it like the other, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago I was out, being a jackass and the weather was nice and I was feeling good. And I had my, uh, Dr. Z out. I had the DRZ 400 out 
and I'm out doing wheelies like a dipshit. And I was kind of like, what the fuck, man? If I, if I fall down and go boom, eh, this is like, this is not the time you want to be in a fucking hospital. My mom's in a hospital. I'm, you know, I don't want to go visit my mom in the hospital and come out with fucking Rona, you know? Hey, you'll get workers comp. No, I won't. Are you kidding me? My <laughs> boss is my boss is an asshole. Man. Yeah. I'm not getting shit. The uh yeah, it's a it's one of those deals. It's it's just this is the bad time to be in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah, no. So I had a draft beer today. You did have a draft beer today? I did. I went to the rush end to pick up a fish fry for grandma. Yeah. And I walked in, I, I masked up, everybody had masks on. I mean, they look like they're ready for bear. Yeah. There was nobody in there. I was just going to go pick up my food and everything. But yeah. apparently Piper wanted pierogies, so I had to wait a minute. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, well, how, how many minutes do I have? He said, two. I'm like, well, that's twice as many as I need. So <laughs> I got a, a, a quick Labatt's Blue, and I went over the corner, and I took my mask off and took one to the head, and it was the greatest thing ever. It's the greatest it's like, thing ever. <laughs> I forgot what a good ice-cold draft beer tasted like. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm this like, that was well-spent $2.75. I started pouring my beers into glasses just so I could pretend, and it's not the same. <laughs> I just want to – now I, like, want to have a kegger or something just to have some <laughs> – can't get my beer. I have to leave. I put my beer in this cooler thing and I can't get it out. It's like floating in the middle. What the fuck has happened? Holy Steve? shit. You deep six to your beer. Go dump that's it a, in the bathtub. That's a depth charge now. There's nothing well, you can do. Johnny Mac, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? What am I doing tomorrow? Yes. Well, Eat afternoon. Uh, well, probably not going to sick to the six 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 for a, an all day ride. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. More than likely, I will start early in the morning. I'm I'm trying to start painting. So my house, you know, was painted 20 years ago. So I've started the process of starting to, with the front of my garage, the worst spots first. I see. And that's kind all of right. what's going on. You know, most of my weekend. Why? What do you want to do? We I was going to be. We I was going to be. Uh, I was going to be working on the Corvette and drinking beers all day. So, well, but no. technically working on both Corvettes. No, we're going down to Hansa, drinking big beer. You're down, you're down near Akers. Yeah, Cuyahoga yeah, Falls. I'm right off of Route Eight. They're they're not even listening. Well, I usually take some sort of break when I'm working. Okay. Cinch, what the hell? What? And if I go for a drive Nobody's in the Corvette or something, maybe I'll pop by. And yeah, that sounds like a really good idea. You're talking yeah. over the top of them, goddammit. Talking over who? Off. Shut the fuck up! No, we're going to Hansa tomorrow, and we're drinking heavily. Oh, okay. What time? Whatever time you want. And come on, Mac. You got. Uh, I think that, that Hansa deal was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I don't know. I don't. I didn't tell you this, but I was getting ready to bail. In fact, I told Nick. I'm like, eh, I'm probably going to bail. But then whenever Chris scouted it out and found out that there was nobody there, they weren't even open, and that we could have the patio altar ourselves, I relented, and I'm like, well, okay, I'll go there and have a beer there. Because we should probably talk a little bit about, you know, we did our ride, and then we stopped. Before we went there, we went to Brick and Barrel and tried to sneak a beer, which was kind of sketchy. It was like, holy shit, you know, they have a, a 10 by 10 little patio, so they were allowed to be open. But, you know, you couldn't get six feet away from anybody. 
Yeah, but, that was shady. That was shady. But did, you know what's that, funny? It was okay. I mean, I was going to have a beer. Eventually, we drift. It was get your beer and try to find six feet to get away from somebody. And then, like, okay, I'm going to go stand out in the fucking street. Yep. But, you know, remember when we passed all those places? Those were all the places that got busted by the police. Like, yeah, it was like full-blown fucking summertime when you went down through the flats. Every place that had a little fucking 10 by 10 patio had 30 people in it. Yeah. Right, you couldn't fit a, you couldn't squeeze a dime between them. Nope. Yeah. No. So it was cool. I was glad to have that very rare opportunity and double thanks to Chris Smith for footing the bill. Yes, sir. Thank you. Ooh, thank well, you, sir. Well, and I've reserved the patio again for tomorrow. Really? <laughs> so we're going and Phil's going too. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you know what, you're not going to be able to pry me away from my showroom on a Saturday in the summertime. Uh, you know, it's one With thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing that you can scooter rallies, events like that. I'll fuck off and go do them and let Renee and James run the show, but there's no fucking event happening at all. And every sale I make at this particular time of the year is precious because I got to tell you, I'm terrified about what's going to happen when people actually do run out of money. Make hay when the sun is shining. That is it, man. That is all I got right now. Well, and is, that what, is Phil saying that we're riding on Sunday then so he can come too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what my, what my dance card looks like on Sunday, but yeah, Sunday would be Sunday. Something that I would probably be able to do, uh, you know, Okay, so June, I'm, I'm telling you right now, June is totally open for my camp in New York. Yeah, you see? That so good. I don't care what you guys want to do. We can go up there and we can, we can hang and ride. I mean, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, it's, oh, it's totally open. June is totally open. You guys have been deprived of other male contact for far too long, and I predict it's going to get Camaro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think if you show up knowing that you've got the antibodies for the COVID, I want to like just get really cozy with you. And, like, hey, here, oh drink man, you got my the bottle so I can drink from oh, it. Yeah. Like a little of your saliva could maybe seed the fucking antibodies in me or something. You I was know? about to say it's like it's like high school parties. You're like, oh man, so and so's got so and so's bringing beer, and now it's like, oh man, Phil's like, bringing the COVID antibodies. Yeah, can I get like some of your skin cells and breathe them in? The, uh, I'm gonna. We're just doing. We're just gonna do some very basic at home plasma separation. It's no big deal. Right. Yeah. We'll just build a centrifuge. I'm all for it. Right. I mean, like I said, if I could just suck on your neck a little bit, maybe like a really hard hickey, maybe I'll get a little. Well, I heard, I heard if you touch tubes, that all the stuff just fucking hit to the handle. <laughs> just, get, well, just get some of these, uh, just get some of these fresh. Docking. We'll do a little jousting. <laughs> yeah. Grody. Yeah. yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I did today, I went in uh, to the VA and I did a little, uh, a little donation of uh, some plasma, well, some you know, it'll be made into plasma, so or it'll be uh, spun into plasma. So I did that today, and uh, we're gonna see. This was my first one. So you guys know this is this is my first time going in. So we're gonna find out if they like my plasma and if they want more of it. So if they want more of it, then I'm gonna give them as much as they want. So the, yeah, uh, I was just I was just talking to Nock. He was riding his uh, his XR. XR that makes perfect sense. Yeah, as you do. 
As you do. Yeah, yeah. Seem, as uh, you just checking in. He said the first 16 hours is yeah. a little rough, but he's doing a little better now. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Oh, I'm glad for him. Oh, I, mean, I mean, I'm not happy that it happened. I'm glad he's feeling better is what I mean. Right yeah, I mean, what a bite in the ass. And <laughs> when you do, when you break ribs, dude, it sucks, man. Like, there's, there's nothing you can do. And if you does. sneeze, if you fart, if you <laughs> turn the wrong way, it's like, you're. oh, it's fucking horrible. Man. There is nothing, nothing good about breaking ribs. Oh, breaking oh, ribs yeah. is fucking miserable. You know, they say most accidents happen within 20 miles of your home. Where did his happen? His driveway? Yeah. That's why I moved. He is awesome. <laughs> Dude, I, I broke a set of ribs mountain biking a long time ago, and I, I, I came home and fell asleep, and I woke up with the things. And my wife had to go to a, um, a meeting. She had to. There was no way she could take me to the hospital. So I decided to drive myself to the hospital, mm-hmm. and I sneezed halfway there. <laughs> oh. I blacked out, and I woke up in this lady's front yard parked in my car, like just, like, like just sitting there. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm just trying to get to the hospital, man. I think I have broken ribs. And that was it. That shit is no joke, dude. This is no joke, man. <laughs> the thing, though, what I do like about the human body is the human body does give you 24 hours to get to a safe location before it just opens up with the pain monster. Yeah, yeah. Like when your health bar gets to zero, it flashes red for a good long time before you actually die. It really does. The best part of this, the best part of this when, I, when I broke my ribs, we used to have this house that was shaped like a U. And I went back to the bedroom and fell asleep. And my wife fell asleep on the couch all the way on the other side of the room. Yeah. When I woke up, when I rolled and it really cracked, yeah. I'm going like, help. And there was yeah. nobody there. So I look around. I don't have my phone or anything, but my laptop was there. So I jump on Facebook and I'm typing. I'm like, hey, I think I broke my ribs. And all these assholes are like, oh, I did that once. Don't worry about it. I'm like, no, like now. Like, can somebody call my wife this minute? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I don't mean to laugh at your pain, but that is a very funny situation. It was. All these people are telling me about their stories and they're like, oh, yeah, it took me six months to do this and that. And there's like a whole thread. There's like 25 posts going on. It's just making you feel worse. You're just thinking about the next six months of shit you've got plan that it's just done i wish i could find it because every response was like great can you call my wife i'm like it just happened now (laughs) (laughs) so so i broke my brother-in-law's ribs (laughs) i uh we were drinking we used to go hunting every year on uh, thanksgiving and then we stopped a couple places and we were drinking before we got back home for thanksgiving dinner good you johnny some point i gave him a big bear hug and uh yeah, I guess I broke a couple of his ribs. <laughs> You're just too loving, dude. <laughs> Have any of you guys ever gotten a hug from Wayne Robertson? No. So no, but James, I'll take one right now. Yeah, James. Uh, James' brother Wayne is uh, he, he's probably one of the most male people on the planet. You know, he's a Marine, and he wears cowboy boots to the pool. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's got, he has Elvis's hair and, and Wayne is just awesome. And, and Wayne's great. But if Wayne ever gives you a hug, gird yourself. I mean, gird yourself all the way up because when he hugs you, all of you gets popped like every single muscle everything and for a while i had a jacked up back and when wayne would come to give me a hug i'd be like no 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 because i didn't want to go into traction i didn't want to die because of a hug i didn't i didn't want to be like that's the one that disconnected my brain from my spine was getting a hug from wayne 
Is this why James is trying to become muscle man now? Is it to so he can grab his brother? <laughs> they, uh, they, I haven't seen those two go after each other in a long, long time. But they used to. It was kind of like an event at band camp. Was be the alcohol levels would get right between the two of them, and when the alcohol levels would get to the perfect level, it was just like a Robertson ball. <laughs> These dudes killing each other all over the place. Uh, Wayne would try to help James with his fists, you know? <laughs> like, no, I'm helping you. Do, do, do. You know, it, it, was, yeah, it was painful. Yeah. Very nice. So, 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 so any yeah. exciting, is anything, so since you have access to the world of stuff, I know everything's shut down, but is anybody trying to do anything new? Are you getting any information about anything? No. I, Nothing, huh? We're not. I mean, it's everybody in the world is coming up with like, oh, we're going to do this. Look, man, fucking Theater Bazaar. Theater Bazaar, which is in October, has already admitted right now they're not happening. It's not going to happen. So all these motorcycle events and shit that are like, oh, it still might happen and whatever. Theater Bazaar is full of people who put giant hooks through their skin and hang from the ceiling while other people hit their testicles like a pinata with spiked bats, right? Theater Bazaar is insane. It is hell in Detroit. And it's, it's in Detroit. It's art hell in Detroit. So what can be tougher than that? Nothing. It's art hell in Detroit. It's, it's that. And they've said, fuck it, we're not going to do it. So if Zombo says they're not going to do Theater Bazaar, the the pagan bizarre fucking ritual that theater bazaar is well what ho- what hope is there for any other event well um, every militia event and everything else is going to go off without a hitch <laughs> good cool <laughs> that's, it. That's, that's it i mean that that's that's just it i mean short of having a disease that runs its entire course only at cracker barrel <laughs> this is all i can hope for isn't it funny that the people who had no problem wearing a fucking mask with a fucking skull, screaming right. everything with no helmet, suddenly have turned around and be like, I'm not wearing a fucking mask. Well, that, um, that, that was somebody said that recently. They're like, all the people complaining are obviously preppers. They've spent their entire like last 10 years storing food, making a bunker, getting ready to hunker down for 10 years underneath the earth with 27 million. They have, they have 20 gas masks laying around. Right. Yeah, but they're like, I'm not wearing it. I thought you'd be stoked. Like, if I was that guy, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I get to use my fucking $200 million worth of shit that I got in the trunk, you know? Like, I'd the, be- army, the army used to put us into mop level four like it was their fucking job. And, you know, having no sympathy for how miserable that full mop level four of, you know, personal protection is. And they would stick us in mop level four in like 108 degree, 110 degree weather. And, you know, just long enough, you'd have to shit your fucking, uh, your mop gear, you know, just to really take the dignity out of your life. And they would do that stuff all the time. All of the military guys know what this means, you know. And if you see that, you just immediately, everything comes, like mask goes on and you just start layering more rubber onto your body until you look like a fucking fetish experiment. And this... (laughs) military guys just know that's that is just a shitty way to live so when somebody's like oh you get to put on a fucking a little you get to put a little fucking you put a little thong on your face you know and you're like oh look you get to you get to be like look at me i'm fucking zorro for nine seconds or whatever you know so you can go into a store 
the military guys, this is like, yeah, no fucking problem, man. As long as you're not sticking two digits up my asshole, I'm okay with it. You know? <laughs> I'm smart as dudes aren't making masks out of their girlfriend's underwear. I mean, I thought that would be like. Oh, dude, it would look like an Oreo. It would be like white and crusty in the front and a big skid in the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Summer 2020, that's the hot new thing. The Victoria's Secret, the Victoria's Secret terrible, mask is going to just be for thin. It'll just be a... Yeah. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> there won't be much to it at all. I've heard uh, if you slap a pad in there, it's really good filter material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen the ones with the wine hole so you can put a straw? The ladies have it now where it's a little flip-up wine hole so you can put a straw into the mask. And drink wow. <laughs> drinking wine through a straw. Wine hole. So that, there better be a slightly bigger hole on the other side. Last <laughs> year they had plexiglass. <laughs> they had plexiglass. Uh, so the bar, you can sit at the bar. You and your right. buddy can sit at the bar and have plexiglass between you. It was very much set up for like couples. Okay. So you and your wife could sit there, and you'd have you'd be separated by plexiglass. Right. The next two people they had stalls for drinking. Where right. is this? Rush in. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Who's going to be the first person to truly capitalize this and come up with the perfect habit trail bar? Yeah. Yeah. So everything is all. Trail bar. Yeah. And so you can travel everywhere yeah, within the. Yeah, yeah, travel yeah. within I the. Mis- I think it's a mistake to do the plexiglass. Okay. Yeah, no. I think you should put plexiglass. You should put one of the plexiglass shields on every person. Right. But on top of it, you have like some little like uh, like cool thing. So everybody gets, you know, has their little, you pass them out. You can run them through the dishwasher when they're done using them or whatever. They can be sanitized. You come in the bar, boom, you get this thing on. It's a shield. It keeps your spit from going on everybody else. Yeah. And then, but everybody looks kind of stupid or kind of cute and funny. And you can all sit there and you can still drink, but you keep yeah. your spit off of everybody else. And well, you need a cone of silence from Get Smart. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. And it could be the Futurama heads in jars. Right. You have the jar that goes over your head right. when you get in. <laughs> but everyone looks like, put, put like a wig on it. So like yours has a wig or like some stupid little animal or fucking whatever. Just get a fucking umbrella and drape a shower curtain off of the umbrella. And they can serve you the drinks under the shower curtain. And you could just sit there and drink up and, you know, clear. And just That was the latest thing they've come out with. They've said, you know, the... You know, which was fucking ignorant to begin with. Wash your fucking hands. Well, now they're saying washing your hands, that's not really the biggest way you're getting it. The way people are getting it is spit from your fucking mouth is landing in other people's mouths and eyes. Right. And that's how it's getting transmitted. Yeah. Dude, masks don't do anything, man. They don't They don't <laughs> help in any way. Man. Yeah, don't worry. They didn't want you to buy masks because they wanted the mask for other people, not right. because it didn't help you. I know, but it did no. But the masks don't help you. They help everybody around you from sucking down your snots and yeah. boogers and everything else flying out of your face. Yeah, that's also. But that's also not true. A mask does help you. It keeps spit from getting. You know, it keeps stuff. Exactly. Right. And it keeps you from touching your face. You can't rub your nose with a mask. And if you throw on a set of goggles, it's almost impossible for you to get sick. My favorite. That's my- what people healthcare industry are using you know right. what i'm saying like right my favorite is seeing the old ladies in the cars with their mask on and the gloves that they just went into the store and touched everything with and now they're in their car touching everything and they're digging in their purse but they got their gloves on you know and they just brought the virus home to their entire house the people that come into my shop that'll do the dirty sanchez where the mask will be under their nose <laughs> dirty <you know? laughs> and uh and i'm just like no no bring it up 
yeah. bring it up. You can do it. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing that I, I had said before. I'm like, these people, you know, you're walking down the street and somebody goes jogging by you. They, the latest thing came out, 12 to 18 feet, a jogger. If somebody yeah. goes jogging by you, they're blasting out a fucking cloud of fucking COVID. Okay. All of us who smoked, all of us, we know, take a drag on the cigarette, let it go, watch that smoke. Okay. Guess what the smoke is? That's a visual representation of how far shit that was in your lungs can go. Yeah, um, more than six it. feet. You know, it's way more than six feet. Absolutely. You know what six feet is? Six feet is this, this arm, this this reach right here, right? I got a really long wingspan, and I can stab people in a six foot radius all around me. So when motherfuckers get too close to me, I can I can you know. Step one is the the pokey pokey. Just give them the pokey pokey. They'll they'll get back. Nobody likes getting the poke. No, the the six feet. It's like the Irish six inches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have definitely seen that where dudes are like, no, no, we're six feet apart. And I'm like, you are within my strike zone. You are not six feet away. Yeah. I like to throw out a leg. I just give a fucking little cur- Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Seriously, if you can, if you and the dude next to you can put your arms straight out and touch each other, you're fucking close. That's yeah, a- too close, man. Get that yeah. atomizer out there. Yeah. So if you could smell, wait, I think the, the gold standard should be if you could smell somebody's fart, you're too close. <laughs> also a good warning sign. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, oh, I like that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, a mask oh, uh, is like trying to stop a fart with your underwear. Right. Uh, trust me, my underwear are fucking stopping a lot of what's coming out of my fucking ass when I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a fucking. That's why I don't wear white ones anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> the colored ones, dark preferred. I got I got a pair of Hanes that came with five different colors, and one was brown. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Brown pair of underwear. The military has been issuing brown BVDs and brown boxers since the '60s because of that exact thing. You know, <laughs> if you think the only thing that's coming out of my ass when I fart is a little bit of fucking air, methane, you're fucking high as a kite. You're higher than giraffe pussy. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I've gotten stuck to chairs before, man. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! The uh, so yeah, on that. Uh, so, are you guys going to ride tomorrow, or are you going to ride Sunday? Uh, I'm down for any day. Okay. You guys let me know what kind of bikes. All right, all right, Sunday if if you can go. Yeah, yeah well, right. you never go. We got to go no, on Sunday so we can go. Uh, Sunday looks like 70, Sunday looks hot as fuck, 79 degrees, but thunderstorms. Ugh, so, that's no good. Yeah. Tomorrow looks like amazing and 67. Yeah. Yeah. What so I kick off at about 8 a.m. <laughs> what, Sunday or tomorrow? I'm just, I'm kidding. I oh, won't be there. No, I'm, <laughs> so, I'm like, fuck, all right. Yeah, but you guys, I, I'm going to tell you guys, according to what I'm looking at, um, you guys should probably go for a ride tomorrow. What about Monday? It's a national holiday. Monday, I'm doing pickups and deliveries because I'm a sole, I'm a sole proprietorship. I'm a goddamn small business. So, well, do you, do you need me to go with you on Monday? No, we're not. We can't go to the dock on Monday because the dock is closed on Monday because it's a national holiday. Oh, yep. Hey, Steve, when are you going out to the Oberlin property to, to do maintenance? Tomorrow. Really? What time? Morning. Like early morning. Hmm. That sounds fun, actually. Do you want to shoot? 
Well, I just want to go hang out with you at the property. Well, I want to go drink at Hansa tomorrow. Uh, there you go. <laughs> you guys want to hear a joke? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> so uh, Phil's on one of his uh, famous vacations that he takes around the world. <clears throat> and he finds himself in the theater district, and he sees a, uh, a marquee on the front of a, a theater that says, Tonight only, one show, 10 p.m., the great Balvini. And Phil says, Jesus Christ, I got to go check this guy out. So he buys his ticket, and he's down in the front row. <laughs> the crowd is filling up, and everybody's pretty excited. The curtain draws back, and out walks the great Balvini. He's wearing a white bathrobe and nothing else. He walks up to the front of the stage. He takes his bathrobe off, and out comes his manhood. And picture the biggest manhood you can think of times four. That's the great <laughs> Balvini. So uh, an assistant walks out with a table and sets it in front of the great Balvini with three walnuts on the table. He picks up his manhood and bang, 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 smashes all three of the walnuts. The crowd goes crazy. The show's over. Everybody streams out of the, the theater, the greatest show they've ever seen. 30 years later, Phil's in the same town, past the same theater, same marquee says, the great Balvini, final show ever, 10 o'clock tonight. Phil can't resist. Buys his ticket down in the front row. The theater's crowded. The curtains open. Out walks the great Balvini. <laughs> drops his white terry cloth robe, and there he is. The manhood to beat the band. The beat the band. <laughs> beat, beat the, the band. band. <laughs> no, he didn't beat the band. But anyhow, so the so the assistant comes out with the small table with three coconuts on it. Balvini picks up his manhood. Bang, bang, bang! Cra crashes all three of the coconuts. Whoa! At the end of the show, Phil walks backstage and says, "Balvini, I saw you thirty years ago, and you crushed walnuts tonight. Right. You crushed." Coconuts. What's going on? He says, Phil, I got to tell you, 30 years ago, and now my eyesight's not what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, sent you, I sent you all a text. Look, at, look real close at that dish I made up this evening. Oh man, this is this is going to be our podcast listeners are going to love that. <laughs> Look real close. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, all right, all right. I got you. Yeah. Uh huh. So, so when the uh, the governor of New York uh, shared his little his little hotline that you could text pictures of people breaking quarantine and turn your neighbors and stuff into. Oh. Huh. I think I sent uh, the photo of the, that guy in that casserole about 60 times. <laughs> <laughs> because I do think people should stay home. Yeah. But I'm also not going to narc on my fucking neighbors either. Right, right. Oh, I mean, yeah. I did, I, one of my neighbors had a get-together with some people, and I was totally fine with it. I, didn't, I wasn't going to call the cops or nothing. But they were playing music, which is fine, because it's like Saturday afternoon. Of course you're going to play music loud when you have friends over. But then that band Fun came on. And they were all singing along with it, too. And I'm like, all right, where's the phone? I'm calling the fucking police. That's the last straw. I don't know what <laughs> it is, but it sounds bad. 
sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of personal liberty, and everybody has to make their own choices and everything like right. that. You know, I work with people. Some want to wear a mask. Some don't want to wear a mask. And I, I just got to do what I got to do. I can't make you do the right thing. Right. All I can do is lead by example and try to, you know, hopefully it all works out. But I go back and forth with that on helmet laws, too. I'm not necessarily against people. I mean, if they want to open up bars and you want to go to a bar and you want to sit down and get fucked up and you don't care, sure, by all means. I mean, like, I can't stop you, stay out of the you know, but. Well, I, think, yeah. I, think the great, I think the thing with the mask and stuff is, is that when, like, when it's a choice, so, like, if it's a bar or something like that, that's a choice. You have a choice to go out and do stuff. But going grocery shopping and going and getting supplies that you need for your thing and most families have to do, that's not a choice. You have to do that. And I don't understand, like, why we just can't say, okay, if you're going to go to a bar, not wear a mask, whatever, that's fine. That's your choice. But with these things that are, like, actually essential, like grocery right. stores and stuff, the people that are bitching about it, it's like, fine, go to the bar Go make out with your buddy. Do whatever you're going to do. Get the virus, whatever. But wear a fucking mask when you go to the grocery store so I'm not responsible for your stupidity the night before, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the question still remains, are we going to Hansa tomorrow? <laughs> I'm going to ride in the morning, but I'll meet you guys there. What time are you going? What time? I got the, uh, I got the patio reserved all afternoon. So There you go. Look at that. Do we, do we have a password or anything? Do we have to know the, the code? Yes. The password is the great Balvini. <laughs> <laughs> that, that just became the official password. It's yeah. the great Balzini. <laughs> I approve. Uh, I'm in for nooner after. Okay. Cool. That's a winner. That's a I'm winner. interested to know when it's happening. I may or may not grace you with my friend. <laughs> John needs to see the blueprints, a couple of pictures of the actual <laughs> location to make sure that there's just germs that we can contain. I just, Checks want, for, I just want them to put a fucking piece of fucking foam rubber or something over the corner of that little pergola. No shit. I know, because everybody hit their head on that. Oh yeah, God. but John left John. DNA. He, like, left <laughs> his head on the fucking thing. I left some fucking skin and hair on the fucking corner <laughs> of that. Keep your helmet on. You have a dent in your head. <laughs> we were pulling John's hair out of the wood. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's fucking terrible, hurt. man. <laughs> it looked like it hurt. It didn't make me any smarter, let's put it that way. Let's call it let's call it two o'clock. All right. Deal. All I can say is we'll see. Maybe I'll stop around. All right, guys. Ride fast and take chances. Play us out of here. Press the red button, sleepy.